If you're watching us live on Utreon, of course you already know this, but if you're on YouTube and you want to know why we're not going live, it's because YouTube does not let us hold guns. So, you know, and, you know, we, we'll show you some guns and stuff tonight, but what I want to show you right behind me right there is the Ghost Gunner 3. Right there. It's in the van with me. I'm in my loner van. It's there. So, you know, definitely YouTube will be... Who knows what they would do to us? But uh, we're gonna have a fun show here. If you guys want to oh, join, oh, us, I already, I already know up. what they will do to us. <laughs> yes, they've already, already done know. it to me. <laughs> yes, you do. That's you know exactly personally. what they do. <laughs> right. Yes, and we have Cody Wilson of Defense Distributed here thanks, tonight. Thanks to that machine, I got my first strike, and I'm very proud of that strike. Yeah. We will be highly likely to get kicked off of YouTube midstream. So anyway, we are, it's happened to us many times. So we are going live on Utreon. If you want to join us, it is U-T-R-E-O-N. And, you know, just look for the Who Moved My Freedom podcast or WMMF. All right. That being said, I will actually press the button here and get this going. Welcome back to the Hank Strange Situation, Lifestyles of the Locked and Loaded. We wouldn't be able to keep the Who Moved My Freedom podcast going without the support of great companies like Franklin Armory. Franklin Armory provides 100% U.S.-made firearms and awesome binary option triggers. Their focus and purpose is to provide freedom tools to all Americans, especially those in not-so-free states. So when you're in the market, please consider Franklin Armory. All right, we are live here. Let's see, I'm gonna load up Babyface P. There is Cody Wilson joining us. We are live. Cody, this is your first time coming on the show. We do this thing called Jazz Hands. We're taking it back from the terrorists. There you go, it's a, it's a nice breaker. Everyone has to do it, it is tradition. We are live. I hope you guys have your big girl panties on out there. This is a little different. You've done a lot of different stuff, Cody. This is gonna be a little bit, a little bit different. Um, <laughs> I appreciate you. Ambushing me with that. <laughs> I didn't get a time. I didn't get a chance to really give Cody the rundown. Um, yeah, yeah. So you're gonna find you just jumping into the deep end. This is episode 912 of the Who Moved My Freedom podcast. So uh, I don't know. I would have to do my math on that. Uh, what do we have? Like, uh, uh, okay. I mean, we have no. We have like 88, right? 88 episodes bottles of beer left correct in, not I, 78 you're right something, 88 <laughs> something like that before we hit a thousand episodes yeah um tonight the title tonight is uh cody wilson of defense distributed boom there he goes the man the myth the legend you know for <laughs> for, for folks look, listening on audio looking very svelte <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, That's beer, right. beard is in full effect <laughs> <laughs> what kind of show is this? <laughs> oh, oh you, you don't know, Cody. You don't know. No, I'm kidding. So, yeah, we try to have fun, man. We try to have fun with this. So, and also joining me is Babyface P. There he goes. Patrick is joining us here as well. Um, Patrick demanded to be on the show. and you know. Yeah, no, I wanted, to, I wanted to talk all things homemade guns. So, yes. that's what I've been doing forever. So, this is, mm -hmm. it was like perfect opportunity. Yes, absolutely. We've got shout out to all the folks in the Utreon chat that are joining us. If you guys have specific questions for Cody, just put it here. We'll we'll try to get to those things. Um, I'm going to do this the traditional way that Lola likes. Otherwise, I'm going to get texts from her. So we'll start out by if, if you don't know who Cody is, well, 
have him explain who he is to you guys real quickly here. Let's do that, Cody. Can you tell the folks out there, you know, uh, a little bit of who you are and how you came to be doing what you're doing right now? Yeah, um, I direct a company called Defense Distributed, and that company's been active for maybe 10 years now and is largely its story with the federal government is kind of the legal story with 3D printed guns. So, I, you know, I don't really claim that we began 3D printed guns, but we popularized them with uh, the Liberator and DefCAD when the internet was trying to first shut 3D printed guns down back in 2012, 2013. Mm -hmm. We sued the State Department for a number of years on, on the question of the First Amendment, whether the State Department could in fact keep 3D printed gun files off the internet. And that question, even if it's not settled in, in fact, is, is largely settled culturally. And, mm -hmm. uh, we have a large yeah. part to do with that. And, and then to fund that litigation and to really continue as a company, we started Ghost Gunner and other brands like ghostguns.com. So we've uh, we've just been a part of like popularizing, commercializing the technology that developed from our open source culture. And we hope to expand that culture and, of course, the technology. Right. Yeah, I think Cody is being very, what I'm going to say, demure, because you've been like the poster, the poster child, you know, for, for the, the fight, left, for freedom when it comes to guns. <laughs> for, the for right, right probably wrong. hates him. The gun people love him. Yeah. Uh, you know, our culture is big enough now to um, have, you know, forgotten or in part rejected me. And I, and I think that's good. It shows kind of how it, it's in its adolescence now. And I, I never even expected it to be this big this soon. So... When I see comments online like, um, you know, well, you know, this guy's like the grandfather of 3D printing guns or something. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, that's, that's, I mean, the first, the first introduction to you uh, outside of, like, uh, before ever meeting you or talking to you was Vice video that they put out? Was maybe it, Motherboard? Was, I don't remember who it was. Yeah, and that's, it was what, seven yeah. or eight years ago? At least eight, Long, maybe. Yeah, maybe nine. Go, go back and look, um, yeah. Long, yeah. Maybe uh, and nine years It ago. was... Uh, it's funny because Vice, I think, in my mind, did it as a, ooh, this is scary sort of thing. You guys should be afraid of this. And to me, I was already building AKs out of my garage. So watching that, I was like, oh, hot damn. This is like this is like the next evolution. This is the next step for like home building. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I can't speak for all gun owners. So what, what we do here, Cody, you know, if you... if you're not familiar with what we're up to, we're, we're all gun guys here. So, you know, that's... That's what we do. I guess we're in the, what you would call the 2A community. <laughs> you know? But we're not really all the same. We're not all like the guys that you see at SHOT Show. I've been to SHOT Show before and all that kind of stuff. But uh, we're not exactly all the same. But I think the gun guys like me do see, see you as someone who stepped up and put his own life on the line to fight you know, for, for Second Amendment rights. Before before the Ghost Gunner, I think you were doing eighty percent stuff. You know, um, you you've been you've spent a lot of money, gone to court, gotten into, you know, you. There's going to be a movie at some point about well, that. May be, yeah, that may be. Yeah. You know, at one point, yeah. I'm now I'm telling tales, but you know, at one mm -hmm. point George Clooney was trying to buy the rights to like my life story or something. What? What? <laughs> should have done it, man. You should have. Uh, you like, no, I'm glad that <laughs> I did it, but uh, you know. Yeah, there's been a lot of litigation, but, you know, I don't want to confuse that type of activity with anything too meaningful. The other day I was on Pacer and I was just looking at how many cases we've been involved in. It depends on how you cut it. Federal cases alone, it's, 
you know, it's like maybe over 15 or something. It's pretty crazy. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I don't know, you look back at all the years and that's a lot of time wasted and maybe that's the point. So I, I, I don't want to take more credit than is due, but I, I do think important things have come from that fighting and from unexpectedly kind of confusing USG and State Department and all these, these flacks who didn't really have a theory for our work. They don't have a theory for our wider industry. You, you mentioned the 2A community, but they especially didn't have a theory for this type of, of work, this kind of next generation open source mm-hmm. publication, you know, right. of the files um, and the format <laughs> of the work. So we've kept them off center, I think, for a long time. There's, you know, maybe there's better theories of it now, but just because we've hung in there as long as we have, and I, and I mean, defense distributed when I say we now, but because mm-hmm. we've done that, I really think it's, it's stabilized some of the working culture of the community. And I hope, I hope at least that's remembered, you know, 10, 10, 20 years from now. Yeah, I think if you, a lot of stuff that, um, or the things that you've gone through, if you didn't do it, there's a lot of things that folks are out there doing every day that they would, you know, it, it would be a reason to, for someone to go after them, lock them up, uh, you know, I mean, no matter what, we're still, we're still in the fight and we're still doing stuff as we were joking around when we started up here, you know, We've both had videos deleted by YouTube. I've been uh, had the whole channel deleted, uh, pulled offline. Ghost Gunner Two. I had the number one video on YouTube for the Ghost Gunner. It was like five hundred or six hundred thousand views, mm-hmm. and not long ago it got removed. I got a strike, and mm-hmm. I was so frustrated because it was the only video that was. It was making me like fifteen dollars a month. It was the only video <laughs> making me money. Yeah, two millionaire. <laughs> yeah, people. Well, people were interested in looking at that, and yeah. They, they immediately went after. They went after that. They went after. I had a polymer eighty video that they took down. Yeah. So I got a I got a a warning and then a strike like twenty four hours apart, and it just it pissed me off to no end. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, I remember those videos. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's like you're playing in their sandbox, though. You I guess have to follow their rules, even though nothing I'm doing is wrong or illegal or. I I would say maybe the first part's true, if if not the second part. A lot of a lot of people even now like. Print, shoot, repeat, and people I really respect. Uh, you know, I think they recognize maybe too late that you can't you can't build too large a house on these shifting sands. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. That's that's it. part of the problem, though. Is the part of the problem that I have is the info. To me, the information has to be out there, um, and that's why I do all of my stuff is like showing you how to build anything. I just finished uh, building a Galil and showing like step by step on doing that because. That info should be there. Mm-hmm. It's just it's annoying that somebody gets to dictate that you should not be allowed to see that information because they disagree with it. Yeah, basically, well, I mean, the they're not. Yeah, they're not utilities, although they enjoy some of the protections of um, of utilities. So, before we get deeper into this, I just want to ask you because uh, you know I'm just thinking about soundbite here, man. But uh, I was going to ask you later on, like who was going to play you in the movie, but you just spoke about George Clooney. <laughs> So let's just jump into that right now. Like in the movie of your life, when you eventually sell the rights or whatever it is, or, you know, who, who do you think is going to play you, Cody? You know, I've had like ex-girlfriends tell me, you know, maybe Remy Malik or something. Or like, I can uh, see that. No, I can totally see that. Holy shit. I was, think, I was thinking Justin Timberlake, but okay. Oh, no. Yeah. You know, that's so funny, dude. Like, yeah, there's, there's always a certain type of girl who, 
compares me to Justin. So that's funny. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> Hank, like, Hank is just <laughs> Hank is just that type of girl. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. So the, right. you know, I don't look. I, I think kind of like with the YouTube problem. I I don't really think there will be a commercial movies about this kind mm -hmm. of stuff anymore. Like you you talked about the Vice documentary, and mm -hmm. that's from ten years ago. The entire media environment, including Vice, was different ten years ago. The, the whole Condé Nast enterprise is about as, yeah. as left as the New York Times and everything else is now, mm -hmm. and that's been, that's been a conscious effort to basically mm -hmm. like shun these what were hipster cool stories from even ten years ago, and just like kind of prevent them from even being in the narrative. Mm -hmm. um, so that's I'm true. imagining a scenario where no, like it's all memory old and. Probably there's some, you know, AI of the future which will whitewash even this podcast from yeah. the internet. So. Yeah, unless we find alternatives. That, I mean, that's why we're using Utreon. That's why we're always looking into things. It's a tough, it's a tough road, right? Because you have to build an audience over there. That the whole yeah. the whole structure might fall apart because it doesn't get funded and all that. But I do it for that reason to try to keep this stuff mm -hmm. alive and keep it out there. And regardless of that, we always have our our thing. So if someone comes up with a better way, we can always upload stuff. Ahead, Funny enough, you. I I did a search of just a Google search for my YouTube username to see what came up, and mm -hmm. there were a couple of uh, Arfcom uh, things uh, where people were saying, uh, basically, guys were going out there and saying, "Hey, everything that's getting memory hold, what are we? What do you guys have that uh, we should download and keep for ourselves?" And my whole a bunch of guys were suggesting, like, just download all this shit off his channel and then go through it and get all the build videos for like AK. Um, mm -hmm. um, MP5, all of it. And I was like, to me, I was flattered. I was like, God, that's cool that people want my content in their life, their personal library. Mm -hmm. That's really yeah. neat. Yeah. You know, I think obviously Odyssey and library uh, are, are the best places to put things right now. Mm -hmm. Reservation, but of course uh, library is having its own problems still with the SEC and, you know, crypto winter may knock it, knock it down, knock it out a little. So Maybe we'll we'll always be asking questions like this until there's some kind of new protocol for the internet. And, mm -hmm. and I can't even advise that you put videos on on DefCAD right now. I don't think we have a good theory for how to really archive lots of video. Hmm. So it, it's a big, big question, you know. Yeah. Uh, and it, but it's an important one that we have to answer. Yeah. And and the thing is, so why was YouTube founded a long time ago, right? I mean, I remember I had never towed a car, and I and I and I had a trailer, and I was like, oh, I got to put this car on the trailer and tow it. You know what I did? I went and looked up YouTube. I don't know how to tie a tie. I'll go to YouTube. It's the same thing. It, that's true. That's everything. And it comes to guns. And if you want people to be safe and have knowledge, not hurt themselves, not hurt other people, all that kind of stuff, you need this. You need what we're doing in order to you know, achieve that, if you really care. I mean, every town knows this. You, you might have just seen the recent Ammo Land piece about this. But, you know, it's not even the politicians. It's these uh, pressure groups like every town in Giffords. Mm -hmm. And it's not even YouTube, really. It's not even their policy. I mean, it, they, they have been slowly pressured into making these policies. But yeah, mm -hmm. groups like Every Town will ensure that eventually no one even knows how to put like a magazine in a gun or how to clean their gun. You know, YouTube will not be a suitable place to learn anything. Mm -hmm. And that could probably, at the rate things have been going, that could probably be true within you know, five years. YouTube, I, I, Hank and I have talked about this a lot in the past, but YouTube, in my mind, wants to just become another non-tv channel basically like they just want to host content for disney or content for fox or cnn um 
earn their own ad mm-hmm. revenue, but not have to deal with any of the people that actually make them what they are. Like they just want to be a they want to be a publisher instead of basically. Like, yeah, they, but that's to their own detriment. Go ahead. Sorry. I, mean, I, I think there's a political philosophical question here. Like mm-hmm. when you look at, I know it's a big controversy about what YouTube pushes with its algorithm here in the states versus kind of any other state. Like even compared to in Canada where like actual content from creators on the platform makes it into your recommended. And so part of this to me is not even about the personality of YouTube or, or even Google as a company, but, um, but if you do want to back it up to Google, it, it seems to me like this is an admission on the platform's part, at least indirectly, that it is a, a primary controller of how people are informed. And what does it want to do? It just wants to reinforce uh, the mainstream narrative, okay? It just mm-hmm. wants to reinforce the official knowledge you know, from the cathedral. So I, I don't even think it's just about a personality bent or an interest toward like promoting celebrity culture. I think it's literally proof that, okay, it knows that it, it, can, it siphons official knowledge. One of every two searches for information begins on the platform now. So this is, this is a conscious signal mm-hmm. that they tend to control what you can see and think about. Yeah. But that's to their detriment, you know. Um, I think ultimately it's like... Uh, I grew up in hip-hop, and I think the same thing happened there, although it's super commercialized right now. But in the beginning, that massive push against hip-hop music or rap music, you know, uh, however you want to look at it, it's what made it so popular and why it dominates right now. And I think that's the same danger that they're running. If these really big, popular platforms keep pushing people like us away and making us the rebels or whatever, we're what people are going to look for if we figure out something that can actually stick, people will go there and, and YouTube will become like MySpace or something. I hope that's true. I think um, there's a lot of computer science and stuff that has to be done before that be true. But, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I want that to be true. Yeah, yeah. I, I would like to see that as well. I don't know, you know, if we'll make it there, but I hope so. And I think that, you know, if you just look at how many different things exist right now, uh, to, to counter them. And then also think about this. YouTube is trying to be more like streamers, like Patrick is saying. They're trying to be more like Netflix and all these other places. But why are all those businesses failing? Why are they failing? You know, they're, they're, well, there's can, a connection there. Go ahead. For a couple opinions. I, mm-hmm. You know, obviously I watch the street like everybody else does. And mm-hmm. Fake subscriber growth and all these other things. And mm-hmm. Platforms competing with each other. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah. Does YouTube know what it wants to be? Does it want to be a, a competitor in the streaming services? Okay, sure. Yeah, I guess. Does it want to promote its natural creator content? Mm-hmm. I guess to some degree, but I think more than anything else, it it just wants to show its alignment with the state because it's part of the power process. Okay. And so this is just how I can't help but see things. And so mm-hmm. YouTube, Google, they're, they're a part of inflicting or enforcing state department policy. Like they are mm-hmm. organ of government. Mm-hmm. So I can only really see that as a top level interest beyond kind of anything else. Yeah. I mean, you saw, so I'm not, I'm not attacking you on this, but you sound a little jaded, right? Obviously you've been through the ringer, you know, <laughs> but don't, don't you think that, don't you think the design, like what people want eventually they get, and this is how a lot of companies lose business. Um, you know, I remember when Blackberry was the smartphone, you know, that everyone went to. But then Apple uh, made the uh, iPhone and everyone went in that direction. Not, not uh, look, I, I love Apple as a company, despite how totally woke and awful they are. You know, mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I love the mythology of Steve Jobs as a manager and 
-hmm. One could only kind of thrill at the idea of Steve Jobs being given control of the government, for example. Who knows <laughs> what he would do there? Like, you know, like the kind of corporate ruthlessness <laughs> and just destroying entire <laughs> Yeah. Uh, You're being incredible. sarcastic. So, I'm sure. I just think, you know, sure, I got this, uh, this all has appeal. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, in large part, I have, I have witnessed this transition from, I don't know, the, the mid 2000s and that hollow decade to now. Mm -hmm. And it, it does seem to me that YouTube is largely about capturing your interest, mm -hmm. diverting it in real time not promoting the content that you're actually looking for. And this, mm -hmm. I can extend this, con this, this analysis to search. Google mm -hmm. search is garbage and does not function. And I think a lot of people are aware of this, especially post-COVID. Um, okay, well, then this problem is an admission of their monopoly position and their, their position like qua power, their alignment with the state power. Mm -hmm. uh, no, I think the market mechanism isn't working. And mm -hmm. I don't think there are alternatives and they're, they're abusing uh, this monopoly. Mm -hmm. It's, I, I completely agree. It's, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, Google, Google lost uh, a lawsuit, I don't remember if it was a year ago or a little more than a year ago. With, with COVID and everything, I feel like the last three years have kind of been a blur. Mm -hmm. But um, they lost a lawsuit within the last couple of years uh, because they were algorithmically, if you clicked on the video tab in a Google search, algorithmically they were pushing YouTube content to the top before anything else, even if Weather Channel's video about something was more popular. Uh, and somebody somebody took them to court, or a group of somebody's, I guess, took them to court over uh, fair competition, and Google lost. And now, if you go to videos, you'll see a mix of YouTube and whatever other websites put mm -hmm. together. But no, it just, it just goes to show that they completely own the monopoly on information. When, uh, and, and how you get to it. This is like maybe 2004, 2008, I don't quite remember, but it was Sergey Brand giving testimony. And he was saying, you know, our, our role at Google, our job, our hope is that we get you off the, the yeah. platform. Off We're going to take a quick awesome. break. Sorry, hold on. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right Walther Arms has been making concealed carry handguns for over 90 years, starting with the PPK. Today, Walther is based in the good old U.S. of A. and still builds quality firearms like the PPQ and PDP for personal defense and competition. So when you're in the market, please consider Walther Arms. We wouldn't be able to keep the Who Moved My Freedom podcast going without the support of great companies like Walther Arms. <laughs> I just warned you. I just warned you. Yes, we have to be. Three second we, warning. We, we have when to Cody respect was, the man. Cody was going to make a brilliant <laughs> point and, and hey, just <laughs> we got to rep for Walther. We got to rep for Walther. Yeah. At the end of the day, I need money to pay the the uh, diesel bill here on this uh, <laughs> on this printer. Uh, my yeah. apologies, Cody. You were talking about Sergey Brent? Uh, just to reinforce this point, I remember mm -hmm. him from like 04 or 06 or something giving testimony that, okay, our hope at Google is to get you off of the site as soon as possible, deliver what you want. And he was even saying our competitors at Google, um, they'll deliver their own kind of hosted or branded content or advertised content or something at the top of the page uh, mm -hmm. to follow on. <laughs> Can I call you Babyface? Like, how, how do you, yeah, yeah you Pat, Patrick or ba pa Patrick's my name. Babyface. The Babyface is good. Oh, hey, Yeah, don't call him Patrick. That's boring. Mr. <laughs> Babyface's point. As yeah. the as the Babyface gentleman has you know, <laughs> in recent years, you know, like this is they've they've gone away from this entirely, and we know every time we do a Google search now, we get just a, just a snowed over with ads that so we have to kind of move down the mm -hmm. page to finally find what we're looking for, if we can find it at all. So obviously this has all been abused, and, and uh, Sergey impeaches himself with his own prior testimony. So we just mm -hmm. know that this is all going in a, in a direction that's not to our benefit. 
Yeah. So the thing I was trying to find. Go ahead, Patrick. Did you all have... things? Mm-hmm. I've, it, it seems like all things end in disaster. I, I don't know why, but that's just, it, seems, it. Feels like it's human nature for you to start something with good intentions, and then eventually, most of the time, greed takes over, and they start seeing the dollar signs, and then things just slowly progress into the shit that we have now, which is Google owning everything. Yeah. And, and so look, the the mm-hmm. market mechanism should take over. I mean, we can all we sit here and admit. Things have to be sure. paid for. You got. I mean, it's got to be profitable. Capital. Yeah, but, but so I, Google, you know, I'm not Google, something won't go replace ahead, Google. Go. You know, if anything, I'm saying okay, sure, something should replace Google. I, I mm-hmm. hope something can. I hope something will. But mm-hmm. really depressed at how long that's taking. Yeah. Well, it, so that part that, of the, part of the problem again is going back to the fact that they Google has built a bunch of different umbrellas over their search algorithm. And then use those to push you back to what they want you to see. Um, so they're they're absolutely monopolizing uh, monopolizing data. Yeah, and telling you where to go instead yeah. of instead of allowing it naturally. Which well, I'll, I'll say this too. I mean, search is a is a hard thing. Okay, I mean, and everything I've studied yeah. about text based search, and all the technology there. I mean, they mm-hmm. they're doing something really brilliant, and it's very difficult to do that at mm-hmm. scale. And so yeah. you know, okay, it seems to me then the thing that will Place Google has to has to solve search in a different way. It's probably not even going to be text based. Um, you know, this is a little bit out of my domain, and probably I've now yeah. derailed the conversation. Well, I see you no, as the that, gun guys thing about tech this guy, podcast. Cody. Whether you whether you <laughs> like it or not, I see you as the gun guys tech guy. I know that seems might seem crazy to some people, but I think no. that you're following a lot of this just to survive, like the nature, you know, the nature of survival, right? The, all the things that you've been through. I feel like. I've kind of gone through a little bit of that, nowhere near to what, you know, what's what's happened with you guys at Defense Distributed, but just, you know, going through all of this, you, you have to know about tech. You have to be on top of it, looking at it, thinking about what's going to happen because there's all these ways they're going to block us. I was looking at, um, I forgot where I saw this, but you were talking about the when you guys started Defense Distributed, the first thing that happened was PayPal kicked you guys out for life. I think you were like one of the first. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always. I mean, and you know, you talk about your YouTube strikes. I mean, I got all all three of the new community strikes back in 2018, I think. Um, <laughs> I got kicked off of Yeah. I got kicked off of Facebook in 2017 without notice, you know, without the ability to appeal. So, I, you know, if anything, we're just a little bit early to these things, but I wouldn't discount your experience. Probably all three of us here, you know, we understand these technical or social matters more because we have this skin in the game and because mm-hmm. we know you know, we're on the side of the volcano in a way that the rest of the mass culture is not and will not be. Mm-hmm. So it does make this conversation timely and makes our insights relevant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, ha- it has a lot to do with everything going forward. If, you know, if the technology is controlled by, by folks who are intent on using that to, make, to, to mold the world in the image that they want, right, is there really freedom if nothing has been done about, it. if politicians aren't going to do anything, I'm not, and I'm not really even sure what they should do. If we're all not doing anything, if there's no new invention, um, all that. I saw you talking about this as well, like, uh, and, and I made a note about it because I want. Here's one of the things I wanted to, um, you know, uh, ask you about. So hold on, let me see. Um, let me see exactly where I wrote that. It, it has you to do with not. fear, right? Oh, here we go. Preventative terror and the idea. That the idea that to stop anyone from getting hurt ever, we should lose all our rights and be made totally impotent. You were talking about this, right? 
Yeah, this is this is adapted from Bochyard. It, his, <laughs> his social theory is that basically the United States and like the global military power that basically runs the, the world order, this liberal concert of states which control, you know, which is aligned basically with the Anglo-American power. Um, we, some people call it neoliberalism. It's like religious philosophy mm-hmm. is one of security and security with a capital S. And so because anything that kind of stands against permanent peace or, you know, anything that represents instability is considered something like terrorism, it develops something like a counter-terrorism, which it infects all of us with in our lives and in these systems. Mm-hmm. So it's it basically like shocks us and sickens us um, mm-hmm. with this kind of paralysis. Like the power is used simply to prevent things from happening and to kind of remove... Well, I mean, you get, we all live through COVID, right? COVID mm-hmm. is the perfect metaphor or analogy for this actually happening. There's this little bug. It doesn't really do anything, but it represents a prime instability. And so all of society has to be completely frozen and everyone has to suffer to like this endless degree uh, so that society can be maintained in this very formal, rigid academic sense. Yeah. I think here, that's exactly what we're up to certain people, mm-hmm. if they were, If it was up to certain people, they, they would continue. I mean, Fauci had talked about continuing to lock people in their homes. There were people on Twitter, and I know Twitter is a shithole, but there were people on Twitter that were like, oh my god, if we just did this for a year, we could get rid of influenza, we could get rid of all these... I'm like, what the fuck are you... What is wrong with you people? What, right. This is right. What makes you think that they... No, what makes you think they've let go of it? Go ahead, Cody. They're not, they're never, they won't oh, ever just, let just, go of it. In this, in this idea, there's no... There's no theory, there's no like stigmergic theory or what, whatever the reverse of that is where it's like, well, mm-hmm. we'll just have to learn... To live with it, you know, like we have with the flu for like, you know, 2,000 years. And I know we've yeah. had these conversations with COVID over the last two years, but it's like, mm-hmm. this is not just invisible to power. This is what power is aligned to to destroy and, and prevent. And uh, mm-hmm. Bojard calls these kinds of, this array of power, something like, uh, you know, it's more dangerous than terrorism because it, it's basically like more destructive than the thing it's trying to prevent. So this preventative terror, this hospitalization this is the kind of thing that freezes and, and sickens. To the it makes point us of impotent. It makes us impotent. We don't move forward. We don't develop anything. We don't. We don't get better. You know. We don't. Like you need. No matter how people want to look at this, you need destruction in order to create things. Okay. You need to, to break things in order to make them. This is the process kind of, we need to go through. To kind of bring it back to the gun side of things, since this is a gun podcast. Um, uh, Red flags is U.S. No, no, no. U.S. law has halted gun innovation since what World War II. Like guns have barely evolved since then. Uh, think think about this. A good example is before World War II, or right right leading up to it, uh, the M1 carbine, fantastic rifle, developed by a felon in prison because he was <laughs> he's brilliant. He was a brilliant engineer and a brilliant machinist. And they allowed him full access to the machine shop where he had machine guns. He had what what could we have accomplished gun wise if we were allowed to sit and tinker with stuff without being worried the ATF was going to come shoot your dog, you know? I think one I, I of think the points right now is to slow everything down. Mm-hmm. This is this yeah. is the right instinct, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I look at, though, I mean, there's essentially in the gun world, there's one customer, right? And it's Uncle Sam. Even in the United yes. States. Yes. And so th- this colors everything. And mm-hmm. so this also tracks, like, with other industries. So it's not, like, unique mm-hmm. to ours that, okay, all the, all the innovation is, is essentially choke-pointed or whatever. And that's 
It's an unintentional pun on my part, but it is also choke pointed. <laughs> Um, you know, like all of this innovation is, is essentially strangled at the direction of the big customer. Um, but at the same time, you know, when I study the early Republican history of this country, there was no military tradition that we inherited from Europe. And so, you know, we have the Kentucky rifle and we have some very interesting American designs, but these were, these, these come about improvisationally and kind of lazily. And so if anything, you, you think of the Manhattan Project and everything before and after 1945, uh, I, I think a ton of innovation happened in arms. And I don't know what the counterfactual is because it seemed to me most of the economy was kind of, especially since the 30s, was geared toward wartime mobilization and production. So maybe we disagree with why things were innovated and how they were and that they, they weren't innovated kind of from the bottom up like we'd like. But uh, if anything, it seems like all technology post-1945 is a product of somebody getting a contract from DOD. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Somewhere, somewhere, though. Mm-hmm. There, there are lots of examples. Um, oh, shit, I can't remember the name of the firearm. Uh, I think it might have been a South African design of a guy that was built a machine gun, a, a, a sub gun in his garage illegally. This was like 1950 or 60. Um, and, oh, God, I can't remember this exact story. Uh, he developed a submachine gun in his garage because he liked tinkering and it ended up becoming a success uh, in the local military. It was outside the U S can't remember sure. exactly what stuff mm-hmm. that it was, but mm-hmm. yeah, no. So th- there's a lot that uh, get developed because a contract specifies a U.S. military contract says we need mm-hmm. this. And then people develop those specifications. But yeah. I guarantee if I had total freedom, I could go in my garage and make some cool ass shit that mm-hmm. would put me in prison for a long time. I'm just, no, no I'm doubt. not going to risk it. <laughs> No doubt. And I, you know, I'm, you know, we see like the GOA tweet recently, which everyone got upset about how like, oh, one of these house bills bans disassemble, disassembly and reassembly of your gun. Mm-hmm. Even if that wasn't true, I saw a bill in, in the, a New York Senate bill, which did essentially try to say, well, you have to have a license to take your gun apart. Mm-hmm. I saw that last year. Yeah. And, and so like your, your point's well taken. It's certainly, mm-hmm. I think, the direction of public policy, especially among the liberal states, you know, California, this is timely, California, July 1, will make even 80% receivers part of their regulated precursor parts. And in January of 23, barrels, slides, and other major, quote-unquote, major components will themselves be further regulated European style. So, again, your point is well taken. Uh, it, it is, this, is this a specific municipality? Who, who's doing this? Or is this something you, you foresee? Well, I think you're talking about a GOA put out something about the bills that are going out there now. Oh. There wasn't a direct court. I think the problem with their tweet, this is my opinion, you know, and I'm a big fan of the GOA, is they didn't have like a direct correlation in there to what they were talking about. But yes, if you if you really deep dive into this and swim all the way through, you could see how they're kind of laying out, uh, you know, the pathways to say that, yes, if, if you take that gun apart, you cannot put it back together again unless you are an FFL or a manufacturer or something like that. Therefore, what you're doing or even modifications. We already have stuff like that in Florida where technically modifying a firearm is a crime right now in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, I only mean to light on the GOA tweet because it, mm-hmm. it does pick up on the, the truth and the overall. I, I, I'm going to use the word zeitgeist here, but, you know, Welch strong or whatever. So California does is going to begin regulating parts in 23. It begins mm-hmm. regulating eight percent in July. Mm-hmm. And then, like I've said, I've seen New York bills that specifically yeah. do require a license to take your Glock apart or put it back together. And look, uh, New Jersey is the most interesting example. I've been fighting them since 2018 in federal court. They say you have to have a, a federal firearms license to even be in possession uh, of technical data specifications for a firearm. Yeah. 
And, and I think ultimately what a lot of this is going to, or what they will try to make it lead to is that, you know, even having any kind of machinery that could do this means you've got to have an FFL. I'm not sure yeah. how they're going to do it. Yeah. And obviously there's folks like Cody pushing back against this and we should, right? Um, well, I can, really we can answer this question with mm -hmm. some textual evidence. Like mm -hmm. for two years, I've seen house bills. In fact, the house bill that just passed that they're, that they're rectifying with Cornyn's bill, you know, the Senate compromise that will give us this new, this mm -hmm. new gun control. In the House version of that bill, which, okay, this won't make it into law, but that bill does, in fact, ban the ghost gunner. And the way that they do it, uh, because, of course, the machine is a general-purpose machine, the way that they do it is they say, well, it's illegal to sell a machine or to advertise a machine whose primary purpose is making guns or gun parts. So essentially they're saying if you talk about a machine in a certain way, you can't sell it that way. Yeah, advertising, <laughs> advertising, which we've already seen them try to establish, right? Um, oh, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. This is this is kind of what happened with the settlement with the Freedom Group, because um, and there's there's a there's a few cases where they're like, hey, these manufacturers are advertising these guns in a way that people want to use them to kill a bunch of people. The '94 assault <laughs> weapons ban was perfect for that. You read through the, I, I looked at it the other day. I was reading through the the actual bill itself because I was curious. And you know, I was a kid at the time. I don't remember a whole lot about it, but they specifically went after. Other than Colt and uh, Norinko and by brand, they had like the street sweeper, the enforce, like guns that were named evil yeah. things. That's how they, they get the gun manufacturers to go along with it. Here's a question I wanted to ask you, Cody. Do you um, do you talk to the, the firearms industry? Do you talk to these guys? Do they do they seek you out? You know, any kind of communication with the industry in general? I mean, things are a lot better than they used to be. So probably mm -hmm. no one wants me to name names. <laughs> but you know we go uh, to, we go yeah, to yeah i'm not asking you to name names either yeah i'm not necessarily trying to you know, it, but if you I'll want to that, you can mm -hmm. i'll say that they get it now you know 10 mm -hmm. years ago they didn't get it so like i, I was kicked out of shot show and all this other stuff but mm -hmm. now they get it we go we have spaces i was just at nra actually in, in june mm -hmm. was it mm -hmm. june you know right after uh, you yeah there. yeah i think we're still yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like that was may i think that was the was that the end of may I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Times Something like that. So, yeah. you know, we were at that show. That was our first NRA, in fact. And, mm -hmm. you know, we're friendly with different vice presidents of the NRA, you could say. So, you know, mm -hmm. they, they get it. Now, I, that doesn't mean they need to publicly get it. But even the NRA's talking points in the last two years, like on ghost gun rules, show that they get it because they say, well, it's always been legal in this country uh, to make a gun. It should never, should never be illegal. And it's like, wow, okay. I mean, that was our talking point. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah. they've, ad they've adapted it. It's a good one. Yeah, that kind of wasn't their talking point. I agree with you on that. Yeah, that's but what they've I, been pressured. That's what that. I wonder about. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have any experience with the NRA, do you think their talking points have changed? Because we are, we Hank and I, I know, I, or at least I'll speak for myself, are critical of the NRA over the last five or ten years or so. Um, well, I wonder if your talking points. NRA changed. to me means negotiating rights away. So I still feel that way. For good reason. I, I don't know that NRA actually was negotiating our rights away with this Cornyn thing. It seems like Cornyn just decided to do that on his own. But uh, I know that they were instrumental in the Manchin-Toomey universal background check thing from 2013. But it, yeah. it seems to me that since since uh, the you know the Letitia James blow up and, and the whole LaPierre scandal, you know they lost Chris Cox. They lost really like the direction and this the steering of Isla, which was the most mm -hmm. important part of the organization, from my mm -hmm. point of view. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. They lost a lot yeah, of money. Absolutely. They don't have a national litigation plan. They don't really know what they're doing right now. They're just out to lunch, man, and I, I feel mm-hmm. kind of bad for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're just like a, a ghost ship. <laughs> it's a ghost ship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're just floating out there I, just trying to survive and, and maintain control. I have to I have to be an NRA member so I can keep my license up to be an instructor here in Florida. If that weren't the case, I would have jumped ship years ago. And, and I tell them every time they send me an email asking for money, I'm like, listen, the second you get rid of uh, what's his name at the head, I'll I'll give you money. But you got to get rid yeah. of him first. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. You know, I'm I'm a I'm an endowment member. I mean, like I, you know, I, I have no problem with the NRA. I I will always speak my mind about it. But um, mm-hmm. you know, I want to do the shows. I want to popularize what we're doing here. Sorry, I have a yeah. train going by. No, that's cool. Yeah, you know, I think the big the, the power of the uh, NRA is the five million members, and unfortunately, you know, those five million members don't look like us. They're not people who are following this every day. And, no. and for most of them, what they feel is like, hey, if I give my money to the NRA, they're fighting for gun rights. And, you know, it's not necessarily that. I think uh, the NRA in lots of ways nowadays looks like the Teamsters unions to me where, you know, it gets infiltrated by, by mafia. They're just using it to get money in there, have power and control over politicians and do what they're doing. And I just feel like it's the same thing with the NRA. That's what I've seen from spending from spending a lot of time going to the shows, talking to people. This from 2013 that I've been doing this. That's what I've seen from them. I would hope that they would turn it around. But then there's also other organizations out there, um, you know, like GOA or FCP, yeah. etc. You know? To take your point, GOA's done a really good job picking up the slack. Mm-hmm. FPC is ascendant. I don't think they're that effective with litigation right now. But I mean. NSSF has gotten harder too. Like NSSF used to be like way more. People remember after the expiration of the assault weapons ban, um, for some years NSSF wouldn't let the new AR dealers come to shot shows. So mm. NSSF has come a long way too, and they're, they're even supportive yeah. of ghost guns. I think we. Yeah. Can thank Paul yeah, they Brady play less company. golf nowadays. They play less golf and try to pretend that you know they're all about the gun world a little bit. And I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> Cody. I'm not. You know, I'm not putting any words in your mouth. I'm super critical of what a lot of these guys are doing because they really haven't proved to me that they're as about it as I am, which they need to be more about it than I am. Oh, yeah. You're right, man. You've got to keep that attitude, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break here, and we're going to be right back. Good catch that time. Yes. Good segue. I'm a professional. We wouldn't be able to keep the Who Moved My Freedom podcast going without the support of great companies like High Point Firearms and Full Forge Gear, bags and gear for everyday life. Did you know High Point is an American family-owned and operated company located in Ohio with over 30 years of manufacturing experience? High Point is proud to be the home of the working man's gun and your source for affordable handguns and carbines with a lifetime warranty. So when you're in the market, please consider High Point. Yeah. So, okay, we we are back here and um, yeah. (laughs) We're uh, talking nonsense during the break. (laughs) We're in the Gorn (laughs) section, which we can't technically go over to Gorn. What are you showing there? Um, And Babyface. I'm reading reading these old, you know, when sources get really old, you know, you just get them reprinted from Amazon. Oh, this is great, man. <laughs> Real good. Yeah. You oh, have a, any, uh, uh, you've got a book, book out, 1920, right? that's worth okay. reading. Yeah, you have a book out, right, Cody? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I put a book out with Simon & Schuster back in, like, 2015 or 16. That's right. Is, wow. is that the one with the Liberator on it? I'm trying to... Like, oh, yeah. what, is, what is the book? Cause yeah. I, yeah, let me see. I got if it I over here somewhere. I, you know, yeah. I never try to sell that book. 
Uh, uh, yeah, we, we'll take it. Come and take it. The Gun Printer's Guide to Thinking Free. <laughs> I just yeah. googled it. <laughs> you know, and I not that I don't like that name, but I I was early. I had a great name for Simon and Schuster for the book. They're like, "What do you want to name it?" And I was like, "I want to name it Trigger Warning." And yeah, they were like, name. "Well, what? What are you talking about?" And I was like, "Well, you know, woke culture is going to be a big deal." And so, I don't know that that would have changed much, but um, I never really wanted to name it. Hey, look, there's the book. There's the book. Yeah, there's a, there's uh, the cover of the book. It's got, uh, it's got good reviews on Amazon. Five yes. Did you yeah. did you do an audio version of this, Cody? Well, it was in the contract for me to do it, but they let they let okay. some other guy do it. So a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. It's there is yeah. one available though. Yes. Yeah. So Lola, immediately right now, go on Amazon and make a thing for if, that for our affiliate. Buy the audio book. And we'll sell like a million of them. <laughs> I'll, uh, actually, I'll pick up. A, I'll add it to my very, cart. Yeah. Pick up a copy. I will kind. get. Yes, I will get it on audio as well. My, and if, if Cody ever comes back on this podcast, it's oh, only taken. It's only taken us the whole time we've been doing it to get him on. Let's <laughs> see. Like, oh, let's there's see no way. Meager. I'm never gonna do jazz hands oh, again, yeah. man. That's against my rights. <laughs> meager, my meager library down below. Machine is handbook. You gotta have. Gotta have a copy yep. of. Oh boy. Copy of machine yeah. handbook. Yep. Yeah. Uh, By the way, this is a big flex that Cody's doing to have a library behind him. You realize that, right? Smithing, <laughs> smithing revolvers. If you want to work on Colt revolvers, oh, you gotta have to show that one revolvers. again, Patrick. Show that one again. Uh, this one, one, yeah, this one is Colt double action revolvers. So if you want to know anything about how to hand fit parts to, uh, like, a, for me, okay. I had a python that I wanted to fit parts to. This is the gospel for that. Okay. Cool. 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 Um, rat snakes. I got a copy of that. Yeah. Uh, we I are nerds. Cool we stuff, are though. technically gun nerds. Oh yeah, no, here, I, I have, I have good gun. Books, oh no, so. I, I believe it. And uh, you know, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not trying to flex, but I. I do like, <laughs> do like so what? What do you keep? What do you put in a collection stored at a gun facility? What, like, what do you keep around? What kind of books do you keep there? What do you uh, do? You, do you think that we Cody have can't have guns? Is that? I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Like, oh. what is it? Politics books? Is it? Oh. Okay. Uh, Books on making guns. Like, yeah, what, yeah. what do you keep? I mean, it's everything. Like, here's here's Francis Yates' uh, important work on Hermeticism in the 16th century. It's called oh. the Art of Memory. I've got a book on um, Old Norse here. I've been working through huh. Old okay. Norse. Oh wow, yeah, that's cool. I've been reading. I've been reading a lot of Bernard Balin lately. Here's um, yeah, he's a big nerd. Yeah, Cody's a big nerd. He's a big nerd. You should not. You you know. I mean. You know, if we were communists, you would not be allowed to look like Justin Timberlake and be a nerd at the same time. Yeah, it's too many superpowers. Too many you know, superpowers. Hank, you might you might like this. This is a uh, history of of communist infiltration in the 1950s of the different mm -hmm. uh, NAACP and other uh, yeah. Congress like groups. Yeah, uh, that was pretty good. I've been reading a yeah. lot of like uh, that John was Birch stuff. Right, that was big, you know, like, so, I don't know, you, you you probably would not know this, but I was born in Guyana in South America. My parents were members of the Communist Party. So, it had to be, though, uh, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a socialist country, you know. My dad actually saying, played, um, my dad played chess. They, they were the ANC Communist. members, is that what you're saying? Uh, I'm trying to remember the exact thing, um, which I can't remember, but I know that, so I left there when I was five, but my dad, for example, played, uh, he was a grand, grandmaster, a chess player. He played chess with the prime minister of Guyana. I used to hide under the table and pull their beer bottles down and wow. drink whatever wow. was left in there. So yeah, um, yeah. But that's why. That's also why my dad, my my parents left Guyana because of 
uh, communism. And that thing happened all over the world, man. It happened through the Caribbean, happened here in America, happened in, uh, in Africa, all around the world. Um, you know, it, communists were, were just, uh, yeah. I want to say like Pied Pipers <laughs> to, to people you know, of color. <laughs> I honestly think it was one of the U.S.'s biggest exports. We have this kind of, especially in the, the Cold War drama, Welch and Wallace and all these guys in the 50s would act like it was this strange, exotic Russian thing. But, you know, if you look at the American society in the 1920s, it's already the dominant religion of the social establishment and, uh, you know, the American mm -hmm. Socialist Party and all these things. Mm -hmm. I, I've been doing a pretty serious read of American communism uh, and, and it as an export in the, in the 20th century mm -hmm. and how we kind of rejected individual rights, you know, natural rights theory and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, wow, there's a lot to say there. But again, I, I feel like I'm constantly mm -hmm. derailing our no, no, this no, is this good. what the podcast is about. Yeah, we don't have any. We don't Just have. We don't on track. Yeah, we don't make super plans over here, man. No, no, no. Yeah. It's the, we haven't even I, gotten I raunchy yet. We I'm I don't have any reasons uh, to, to get I, out of control. What's up? What? I don't know a whole lot about it, but it does seem that uh, what was it MacArthur McCarthyism. Looking at modern society today, he wasn't far off that there were a lot of reds in hiding. I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think the problem of 1950s anti-communism, which is like really good literature, is, is that it was democratic. It was trying to appeal to a, a social and political establishment, which itself was already communist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously not in maybe the strict party member sense, but like that's just it. Now, the, the, the democratic voter or the... The Republican voter, anyone who's voting in 2020, 2022, right? These these are essentially communists by 1922 standards. Um, I don't. This is how, not how very controversial to say. So, mm -hmm. you know, when I when we think you're, we're talking about technology and radical stuff, right? Like, okay, I, if I'm some kind of gun person, it's technologist. Well, what do we have to actually do to like use technology to preserve these very ancient, original liberties of like our distant mythological founding? Well, we have to use these conservative revolutionary principles. And so I, I think we have to be in contact with maybe like the world or the government at, that we have as it really is. And unfortunately, like conservatives and gun people really aren't that good at understanding the state as it really is in our time. Mm -hmm. So maybe that would be good use of it. I would agree with that. They don't know how to play the Game of Thrones, so to speak. It's true. No, yeah. I think it's true. I think yeah. you're right. That's kind of you know um, that's kind of what's happening to us, unfortunately. Part you know? part of it also, I think, comes into the fact that a lot of us are uh, me me especially are are the type that are the just leave me alone and let me do what I want. And I'll do the same for you, mm -hmm. libertarian esque types. Mm -hmm. um, and you, you know, I, I can't be bothered to go into politics because I just don't want to deal with that nonsense. But at yeah. some point, somebody you has know, there's to. Like, there's a couple like quick retorts to that. Like Aaron McIntyre mm -hmm. says, like, well, the party that wants to win at any cost is always going to defeat the party that just wants to be left alone. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, mm -hmm. And of course, I, I think it's Trotsky, I forget, but mm -hmm. he's like, you know, you may not be interested in war, but war is interested in you. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, what's funny is that's the thing that I'm, I'm slowly, as I, because I'm only 33, but as I get older, I realize more and more that if, if all of us just keep saying, well, I don't want to do that, I don't want to go into politics, I don't want to have to work it, nobody will, or the people that Part of my other argument is the people that are desperate for power are the ones that should never be given it. They're always the worst option. Mm -hmm. oh, look, I agree. And, you know, I've, I try to tell people in my private life, don't go into politics. I don't mean, especially for anyone listening to this podcast, to think, well, maybe legitimate to go into politics. No, don't. <laughs> <laughs> but that's different maybe from, you know, actually trying to get a clear understanding of 
what the politics are. you saying you'll happen. never run for office or anything like that? Is, you know, <laughs> At is this that point, I'm probably more qualified for office after <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is this is the problem that we have. A lot of the people that are really, you know, qualified to do this don't want to do, which I get it. I get it, right? Like, I, I don't want to... The, politician to me is like a worse word than lawyer even and i think what was your age are you actually a lawyer did you, i think you went to law school or something right? i did i did go to law school i'm, I'm definitely not a lawyer i, I dropped out of my second year okay mm-hmm. yeah uh, and i'm i'm mr i'm the baby-faced gentleman's the honorable baby-faced gentleman's age i'm mm-hmm. 34 <laughs> right yeah. yeah so we're about the same age you guys are still old i don't care what I've, you, think. you think you're young I, you're I, I told hank if i, I ever I had the money i'd go to law school Mm-hmm. I would absolutely do it. I definitely don't think I'm young anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. definitely not baby face. So, <laughs> right, right. you know, got to make yeah. some decisions along those lines. And it's right. weird too, man. You know, there's people that work for me now who are like, well, I've wanted to work for this company since I was like 12 years old. Like, oh, <laughs> no, that is a disgusting, I would never want to hear that come out of anybody's voice. Don't you know. ever say that to me. 12 oh, years I've old? Been, yeah. What are you, like 18 now? It's craziness. I've been doing this only since like 2013, oh. and there's people who I meet, they're like, man, I've been watching you since I was in high school. Like, yeah. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. Good a, for there's you. A, there's a couple uh, Twitch streamers that I follow. One of them is, he's like, his name's Sips. He's like 40-something. And mm, yeah. people will comment and be like, Man, I've been watching you since elementary school. And I'm just like, God damn, I've been watching you since college. What the fuck? How old are you people? Dang. Oh, my yeah. God. The, the, time, the time does go, man. It really goes. Yeah. You know? it's a, it's a it bunch speeds of... up. It's getting faster and faster. Do you have any kids, Cody? I don't think so. But nothing <laughs> no, uh, you're uh, aware of? Oh, that's <laughs> ominous. <laughs> uh, you know, like, I mean, I'm, I I'm, in, so. I'm into the idea, no doubt. And I think it mm-hmm. would be – I think everyone should – Get married and have kids. It's, you know, these this seems like a pro-social thing. So mm-hmm. maybe even I will get to do it at some point. We need it for the planet. We need it for the planet. This is how we're winding up in this state of idiocracy. Have you ever seen that movie, Idiocracy? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This uh, is the recipe. People, especially smart people, going, yeah, I'm not going to have kids. I'm not going to have my kids right now. See, uh, Brondo has electrolytes. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. No, water I, from, like, from the toilet? Yeah, no. I think Elon just tweeted about it. it, it I mean, he it's did? true, and and mm-hmm. I even to some degree that it would be my excuse right now. Like, well, why haven't you mm-hmm. had kids? Well, it's not the right time. You know, we're not ready. Yep. You know, blah blah blah. That's you know, I'm I'm falling into that trap too. Mm-hmm. That's the trap that I have fallen yeah. into for long. My, my wife and I are working towards that goal, but you no, know, it's a trap I fell into her for a long time, and I think we finally just realized like we both have good careers. We're both making mm-hmm. enough money. You're never going to, as far as I can tell, you're never going to be ready. You just mm-hmm. got to, when you find the right person, I think that's the first important part. Yeah. Uh, you just go for it. Yeah, that is an important part. It's re- it's very difficult to do that nowadays. Uh, you know, like my kids are 22 I, and 23 years old. So we had so, them in our, early, in our early 20s. And I'm glad we did that because, you know, they're, I'm 50 years old and my kids are out there and, you know, they can take so, care of themselves. So Cody... Seeing, seeing that you were the same age, are you actively – this is a weird question. Are you actively in the dating pool? Oh and if boy. so, how insane <laughs> is it? Because I've been with my, my significant other for like five, six or seven years now. I couldn't imagine trying to date in today's world. It would be awful. Uh, well, I mean, look, I have my own opinions about it. Uh, <laughs> if, yeah. I, if I'm – there's this Mitch yeah. Hedberg joke. He's like, well, I don't have a girlfriend, but I have someone who would be upset if I told you that. 
Yeah, uh, he okay. looks. Did you notice that he just looked off to the side? Yes. Yeah. No, look, she's, she's probably going to see us. No, look, I, I do have a girl. I've, I've had a, a pretty solid girlfriend for the last couple of years now. But um, okay. And I and I did yeah. before that too. And in fact, I'm kind of a, a serial monogamous uh, slash cheater. So actually, that that's my own problem. But so even when I wasn't in the dating pool, I was kind of in the dating pool. And uh, <laughs> look, just, it's, I'm just cracking. Cody, this is it, not going to wind up as snippets anywhere at all on the internet, man. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't worry about it, bro. <laughs> look, it's pretty rough. And also, look, I'm not a good example of like what the, what the dating world is like because I've definitely taken it to the limit uh, out mm-hmm. there. So, yeah, yeah. The, the apps yeah. are pretty crazy. You yeah. know, there's other sites. There's yeah. other, uh, let's yeah. say, I think Babyface so. P, baby P is, is, you know, not realizing that we're actually talking to a dude who became an international... Crisis story. I I know the story. Based I didn't on know what was off limits. The one yeah, thing, the one thing that was nothing, not in my notes was dating. There's certainly nothing off limits. I just don't want no, you know. I don't yeah. want to get out that I'm making fun of you know no. what happened to me necessarily. But right. But look, I'm We're, happy to talk no, about I, any of that. I won't ask. Yeah. I, oh, Listen, I, we can all. I just, it's, can I just ask? Go ahead. Was it a setup? Because all of us on the receiving end of news were like, oh god, somebody set somebody set that up. Somebody set that up. That's all I, I, I know, I've gone back and forth about it. I, I don't, I don't okay. think it has to be a setup. So I, therefore, I don't think that it is. But I think there's still a difference between, you know, like someone not showing you their ID and then the State Department perfectly using that as mm-hmm. I have always been curious. Yeah. Yes. yeah, I mean, I think we would have to you know, I, and I don't know um, if you've looked into this or anyone has, but how many people did they run down through that dating oh, yeah. app and see what was going on there, right? How well, many when we were, they do that? when I was under indictment and we were talking to the DA, they admitted that they had, you know, a handful of open cases mm-hmm. of, this, of the same type and mm-hmm. through a couple of these sites and stuff. And, and in fact, yeah. this is a pretty common thing on Tinder, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, like, it's, I'm not saying like it's, an epidemic or something, but it's it's pretty routine. At the same time, they knew exactly what to do with me when I when I showed up on the radar, mm-hmm. um, and they made they made really quick work of it. So I you know I thought I'm sure that wouldn't be pocket warranted and we could like talk about it, mm-hmm. but no, they, they dealt with me very swiftly. Yeah, uh-huh. it was a you know it was a confluence of things, and I think a lot of times when you're doing the kind of stuff that we're all doing. And we're human beings, so we can easily fall into lots of different traps that are out there. One of the problems with our society is all the different laws and the way that we look at things. And laws, even when it comes to age, are so weird. Like, we're going to make laws saying, and Florida already has it, oh, 21? You, you can't buy a gun until yeah. you're 21. You know? Uh, that's this, but, this new set of legislation that's going through is going right. to not – you're basically not an adult any longer until you're 21, yeah, which is but, insane. But you could vote. Absolutely. Then you could also go into the you military. Could, you could go you die. Could, yeah. yeah there, there's all these weird things like, you know, what's – this is one of the things. And the, the biggest part of it to me that's a problem is the layering of laws. I definitely feel like we should have as few laws as possible. But this layering of laws make it makes it very easy if you don't like someone or you don't like what they're saying to find things to go after them, right? Versus like, hey, this is a really evil thing that happened here, and this is a thing that can happen to someone that's not the most evil thing in the world. I mean, wow. Um, a lot of things to say. You're, you're right, I think, to make the comparison about how the age uh, to buy a, a firearm seems to be trending up, mm-hmm. uh, but the age to do other things to participate in electoral politics, industrial democracy seems to be trending down. Mm-hmm. Uh, age and stuff seems to be trending up. 
Uh, look, I, I see different historical and political constituencies over time influencing why we have what we have here. I don't want to be an age of consent guy. I've never mm -hmm. wanted that to be my issue, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I find myself often asked about it now. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> sorry, sorry. A, a, we can a, move on. Yeah. Historiography, maybe, uh -huh. of age of consent laws is, is interesting. I mean, it does. Mm -hmm. There were coalitions of feminists in the, the late 1800s, early 1900s, which were able to very quickly push up the age of consent in, in lots of states. You would be shocked at how low the age of consent was, especially mm -hmm. in the South, very recently. But yeah. Yeah. I'm not advocating for a return to that. I'm simply saying, uh, you know, for the same reason that you can imagine why these less than honest reps are pushing uh, yeah. gun buying ages up. You can see that there were there were political motives and ideological motives behind. Yeah, well, at least, but let's settle it out though, or let's even settle the fact of ID. On one side here, showing ID is racist, or making someone show ID is racist, <laughs> and then on the other side of it, if you know, it's like, oh well, you're you're in trouble because well, you did this. I've thing. got the perfect settlement for the gun question. Just like COVID, you know, look, we'll we'll certify our uh, our next check in the mail. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, just trust us on this one. Yeah, it's good. it's good enough to vote. It's good enough to buy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I in the two minutes we have left in this section, I did want to answer the question about manufacturers. Uh, I think you answered part of it, uh, but the other part that I wanted to know is if you could, you know, if you could talk to them, what would you tell manufacturers to look at? You know, and this might go over into the next segment. What would you tell them to think about, look at, you know, paths that they should be going down from your point of view? Do you mean in the light of recent like laws and litigation? Yeah, and all the things you know, you're like you went to you went to this last shot show, right? Uh, yeah, no, we had a booth there. So you had Ghost a booth. Gunner, you know, okay. we, we go. We use these shows as selling shows. So right. what we tell people, and I, and I think the reason people get it now is because, mm -hmm. oh, they see, all right, manufacturing is truly at, at issue, especially DIY. Mm -hmm. And like now people actually consider these tools to be, let's say, maybe valuable or mm -hmm. if not urgent. So I don't really have to sell it. Uh, maybe five years ago I had to sell it because we were a little early. and People are like, well, this is kind of fanciful and nice to have. But tools like Ghost Gunner are, are now kind of becoming must have because the polymer 80 kit and things that were maybe easier to do more affordable are quickly becoming illegal yeah and i think kind of what i'm trying to find out about it you know since we were, we are talking about tech you're someone who's looking at this you're involved you know in a way i just i'm trying to find like what advice would you give to these manufacturers out there folks who are actually in the in the uh, industry side of building guns what should they be thinking about what should they be looking at you know uh, should they be concerned about politics? A lot of times they tell me, oh, we don't care about politics. That's not our thing. Okay. I'll, I'll maybe have more to say about this. I mm -hmm. have now definitely looked at your timer. Yes. <laughs> Very close to a segment break. So, you know, I yeah, whoever, I'm going to blame Babyface for that. I mean, yeah, the ones that are, are don't care about politics are the ones that settle out of court and set a precedent for all the others. So yeah. I'll leave it at that with three yes. seconds left. We are going to come right back here and we're going to get... With Arms List, you can shop the extensive list of local and nationwide firearms classified. Now with more confidence because of their built-in firewall. For only $6.99 a month for personal use or $30 a month for business vendors. So when you're in the market, please consider Arms List. We wouldn't be able to keep the Who Move My Freedom podcast going without the support of great companies like Arms List. 
to everyone who's out there. I see Flying oh, Richards out there. I haven't even there. been looking at the chat. Yeah, we're, we're too busy. Yeah, Armament and Axis says, I, this is why I always like Cody. He is uh, wise beyond his years. There's a whole bunch of people. Um, I have been texting with John Crump to see if there's any breaking news, because I know... Look, right now we're waiting to hear stuff um, on this red flag <laughs> law. From the I know Court. it's not uh, it's not Florida conversation, but the news from about Gillum today just made me so so happy. It's hilarious. Oh, oh Andrew Gillum. Look, we okay. don't we don't need to talk about okay, politics. baby face. <laughs> yes, let's get into this because I think this is a really important conversation to have about the future of the on the industry side of it, right? So what I'm trying to find out from Cody is if you were talking to, let's say you were talking to. Um, you know, the guys who run, let's say, Brownells or uh, Palmetto State Armory or some real big industry guys out there, and you could give them advice and point them in the right direction. What would you tell them to look at, think about, the, you know, politics, all that kind of stuff? Uh, well, first, I got to pay my dues, right? Like, I don't think mm -hmm. I'm in a position to tell Brownells, you know, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> really? And, and PSA, PSA has mm -hmm. done some really important stuff, man. I mean, what, what? How I understand PSA and their operation, especially in the last five, six years, really impressive, man. I'd, I'd like to sit down for them to just tell me how they do some of what they do. Mm -hmm. Very, very impressive stuff. They're, they're the biggest UPS customer in the <laughs> Carolinas or something. You know, it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, do, you know but, anyone uh, at, do you know anyone at PSA? Did you meet those guys at SHOT Show? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We, we deal with PSA in, in our own businesses. So, um, mm -hmm. and, and that's just it, right? They deal with everybody. So... Mm -hmm. uh, they're but, probably yeah, the I'm biggest in the industry, uh, but you know, on the on the stealth side, I don't think a lot of people realize it. They're probably that's right. the biggest There's company. A lot of a lot of OEM that people do not know exists. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. There's so many products that they that they manufacture now, mm -hmm. um, or white label or not. But look, I'm not ducking your question. I have a lot of thoughts about it. I just want mm -hmm. I don't want to come in arrogant to businesses that are you know many times yeah. larger than mine. So let me let me put it this way: like we had Pete Brownell on the show, right? And he was talking about when he took over from his dad, when he took over Brownells from his dad after he got out of college. And back then, I, I want to say that was in the 80s, right? Um, you know, he wanted to go online. And his dad said, what are we going to go online for? No one's buying anything on the Internet. And uh, it was kind of like a big pushback. But he made it happen, right? He took over the company. He made it happen. That's, that's massive today, right? Um, and we're talking about a company that was basically like the Sears catalog for guns. I know Sears catalog was the Sears catalog for guns at one point, but Brownells became that. But he, what he said to me after that, he said, you know, now that I've been doing this for a while, I worry that I'm in that position like my dad and I'm not looking at what's next. So what I'm trying to you know, find out from you is what do you think's next? Sure, sure. I, I'd like to answer the original you know, point of view of your question too. I, so I actually know a lot of behind the scenes that PSA and Brownells, like what they're up to, the insurance arrangements that they're making, the banking payment processing arrangements mm -hmm. that they're making. They're actually trying to do some of the things that I'll, that I'll say here, where mm -hmm. obviously you look ahead and you, and you recognize that this Silicon Valley, D.C. contingent, they, they imagine no place for our businesses on the Internet, for example. And we've already had the YouTube conversation where just a trio of pressure groups are, are probably going to keep a lot of innovations or, or technical information from our space mm -hmm. out of, of public view so that mm -hmm. we already know where some of the conflict is. And, and I remember some of the first people to suffer the, the new YouTube policies post-2014, uh, I think was the Brownells YouTube channel, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, and then Hickok and stuff, right? And then they very quickly got their stuff back because you know, 
liberals, mm -hmm. typical liberals, they overreach. But mm -hmm. uh, so there's, you know, I'm going to say that Brown LSPSA, they're already they're already aware of this, they're already working toward this. So we can imagine, first of all, that these companies aren't as clueless as they think, and then AR15.com and like a number of important places are also maintained by these companies. Mm -hmm. So uh, they're actually like already heroes of the internet, that the gun internet that was. So let's give credit where credit's due. Uh, going forward, I, I, I think 3D kits are going to be like more of like a, of a product and a kind of a hybridized, configurable product. So I imagine an online experience where kits themselves are, are configurated, there's even like a term in e-commerce called configurator. So I think we need like gun configurators in e-commerce. <laughs> okay. And these, they're actually pretty quick and I think easy mm -hmm. to develop in a sense. Mm -hmm. uh, e-commerce itself for, for guns has to stay along open source lines, but we've learned this at least since 2018. And by the way, you can thank me for a lot of this because uh, a lot of this watershed from Shopify and other places uh, began when I defeated the State Department in 2018. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the Giffords and Brady and everybody started sending... Uh, all these, all these letters to e-commerce and other hosts to, to dump gun and, and kit websites. Mm -hmm. uh, and thank Polymer 80 for developing commercial DIY kits and for standardizing, I, I think, a new, whatever, a, a new conversation about the home builder. And then even now I've seen like a lot of, a lot of people need to be thinking in terms of disclosing their technical data as its own commercial source. So maybe Brownells will understand in time that people actually just have an appetite for files. Mm -hmm. or for the feasible content. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe all this would sound obvious to you, but we're experimenting with packaging this and, and getting this to the customer in different ways, like at our site, DefCAD, uh, DefCAD.com. So, you know, another way that this is, another way that we're looking at this is like how to, if this stuff is partially restricted by the feds, at least for now, okay, can we give value back to creators, for example? Like if you sign up on DefCAD, can it be like a Patreon-style model where, okay, Babyface mentioned that one of his most successful video got him $15 a month. I mean, I've got over 20 creators on DefCAD who are, who are earning at least three or $400 a month, for example. Mm -hmm. And you would be surprised. That that's not, it's not many downloads required to make that happen. Maybe the entire, well, I shouldn't share the active membership of DefCAD, but it's not mm -hmm. huge. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think uh, something like iTunes for Guns will become more relevant and obvious uh, for people, because right now everyone wants to be OEM, they still want to make contracts, they still, and that's obviously very important for our space. But I think the DIY work has proved that uh, there's a lot of like uh, micro commerce in solving micro problems. Yeah, I would agree with that. Patrick, what, did you go ahead? I was just going to say, what, um, what in the, what is DefCat offering now for? paid subscription like what sort of content is on there because i didn't honestly i am deep into all of this and the industry and i had no idea defcat was even being used that way oh yeah yeah well it's because i haven't really blown the horn about it right i'm actually trying to scale in a way that i can afford and yes uh, yes it's pretty yeah. difficult uh, so <laughs> yeah. in the last two years defcat has doubled and tripled mm -hmm. in size i think we're actually four times larger this this time this year than we were last year for example so Wow. The, the number one project of DefCAD, like it has been since 2012, is to actually be, to afford something like bibliographic control, like to at least show you everything that's kind of available, let's say in the universe of 3D printed guns, because platforms will come and go, creators especially will come and go, and there's never really been a method of, of bibliographic control. But I've, I've really got a lot of that being worked on, and we're even kind of working with groups like library and stuff to standardize 
and to crosswalk records across platforms. So that's very exciting, but it's not commercial. And so because like the history of my litigation, controls by the state and the Commerce Department require that you create some positive proof that a person is a U.S. person or at least not a debarred foreign national, you know, I've had to charge for access to the, to the repo. So what we do is if we onboard a user and actually get, you know, their subscription, we, we offer, I think it's a 50% share of the revenue proportionally generated by the downloads for your content. So maybe I'm not making sense, but it's like, you know, if whatever someone's downloading of your content, like Babyface, if you have like a portfolio of 10 files, you know, whatever your share is of, of downloads of that month's total downloads, that's your share of the revenue. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's a good thing because that helps encourage this kind of like cloud sourcing of of designing and and building things. And, you know, I, I would agree there's a there's a, a big place for the industry in this, although a lot of the older dudes in the industry may be looking at it and going, oh, you know, we don't want to be part of this. We're going to lose money. I think that's like, you know, back in the days if people were looking at Amazon and saying, who the hell's going to you know, buy books on the internet, right? You know, well, you know so. the dinosaurs may stay dinosaurs. I don't mm -hmm. know, though, because JSD, like, we're very friendly with them. Mm -hmm. They sell Good Ghost Gunner, we sell their stuff, for example. Mm -hmm. And JSD, you know, is going to, they, they're popularizing 3D kits. They want to share files Ooh. on DevCAD. There it is. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the newest generation of companies, they kind of get it because, like, a lot of their customers do build DIY. They build 80s and they 3D print. So mm -hmm. it's just an inevitable change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I think Babyface is throwing up a bunch of cool stuff. There you go. 3D, 3D printed, uh, P320. I just finished a P320 frame. The, the exchange kit should be here tomorrow. So I'm going to test out a home built P320. Um, all my, I mean, everything around here, I feel like I've, I've built myself. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, is, I, go yeah. ahead. Mm -hmm. Well, like, so even Paul Amorati, right? Paul Amorati could suffer yeah. a, corporate, a corporate death with mm -hmm. this new rule. And, like, they're suing and everything. But, you know, we certainly shouldn't expect them to win. Mm -hmm. uh, and so let's say that they don't. Even in their filings, they say, well, we'll go out of business. I have been given certain assurances that their IP will make it back to DevCat, for example. So even in even in this transition to new companies, old companies are getting it. Like, okay, this stuff has to go into somebody's hands. It has to live on. So we're just waiting on a sea change in, in culture and, and everybody right now. I don't think this is inconsistent with open source development principles. Mm -hmm. Of course, none of the licenses on our site are you know, restricted licenses. Everything's open source and standardized. It's just that the government wants to play this game and have this fiction. So if they want to do that, well, then that creates an economic principle, which we can still use to benefit us. Yeah. If, I, if, mm -hmm. if you're into hosting uh, unfavorable content, I may, uh, I may sign up and start posting videos that have been removed because I can't show you how to make a receiver. I can't show you how you, to so use So is Cody talking about content in terms of videos? Or yeah, I was wondering, is it, is it like files? STL files or is yeah, it I, like video so content? So right now it's technical data. 2D stuff, and 3D yeah. blueprints. I, like I was saying earlier, I don't really, I can't really ask you to bring the videos on. I, I think there's better platforms for that, and I just don't. I'm not built to host a lot of video content. Mm -hmm. on, yeah, on it's expensive. Yeah. It gets yeah. it gets really expensive really quick. I think something like Utreon right now was the best place for that. Uh, you know. Yeah. Um, 
nothing's guaranteed to make it. A lot of things could fail. What we right. need to do, what we need to do is kind of pool our resources, you know? And so, for example, I think that one of the things you were saying there is that, you know, it's tough for you to even market what you're doing, right, Cody? And folks like folks like myself and, and Babyface and lots of other folks out oh, there, we should be playing good a, stuff on here. We should be playing a part of, you know, being a part of that, like helping you get whatever needs to get out there. I mean, as an aside, I could tell you if you guys let us know, like, hey, we're doing this. We need uh, some help getting that shared on social media or talked about in podcasts or whatever. We'll be happy um, to do that because we all need to everyone's going to play a different part in this in order for it to work. Yeah. Sure. Uh, thank you, by the way. I, I was kind of saying it's actually difficult when you're growing. It's difficult to keep up with your growth. And so I, mm -hmm. I'm not being louder about DefCat because I'm, I'm kind of barely keeping up with it as it is. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I'd like to I actually have a significant retheme of the site happening, which will be done by the end of August, I think. So, yeah, I just I kind of don't want to talk about the site ever mm -hmm. because things are always changing. And <laughs> anyway, I, and I've built a set of incentives to where the, the right people are finding it. They're mm -hmm. benefiting from it. So I just feel like it'll work kind of without me having to say too much about it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people looking at this now. And uh, from my point of view, the opportunity here is that there's folks out there who want different kind of guns. Like I'm a big fan of bullpups, right? Um, you know, I think everyone that, that looks at this or listens to it knows that. But there's some really cool guns out there that we don't really have access to now. And all of this stuff is a good way to figure out like, how to make those guns better, you know, how to redesign them, make them, get them out there. And so people could I, be, do, we could all be doing this and the industry could be playing a part in that, bring, uh, making parts and all of that. But let's say something gets really popular. Well, there's nothing stopping the industry from, from making it and making it easier for, for folks to get their hands on those things. There's, there's lots I'll, of opportunities here. I'll tell you, you know, for example, I think it was a big deal at Polymer 80 made such impression with NSSF and even last year despite the fact that they're looking at the end of their of their road they were on the second floor at SHOT Show that's a big deal uh, mm -hmm. and you know DEFCAD will for the first time will be at SHOT Show next year okay so you know you can take these as signals or not but I do think things are trending in in this direction where ghost guns and <laughs> printed guns and files are basically part of the horizon of people's uh, of, of the official gun culture mm -hmm. uh, no doubt yeah, I don't think I don't think there's any way to walk it back. Although you know, obviously, people are going to be attempting that. What other shows are you guys planning on going to other than NRA and Shot Show? Obviously, those are the two big ones. Uh, yeah, I think we'll do. I think we'll do Rainier's show this year. Uh, is that in October? Trigger Which Con? show? Oh, TriggerCon. Okay, maybe TriggerCon this year. I, I don't plan to do too much more. I actually have like a. A fun surprise product release coming pretty soon, so I, I want to. Okay, okay, yeah. I've been trying to go to some smaller shows. Um, All right, you know, just because I signed I up for DefCAD. Yeah, I think it's easy. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't sign up for the partner program, but I did go create an account on DefCAD because there was some cool ass shit. Well, thank <laughs> and, and yeah, there you go. thanks, thanks so much. And and by the way, we didn't yeah. plan this. Anybody who's watching, we didn't talk. No, about no, no. I just I, there's some uh, so. Uh, uh, Cody, I don't know if you're, uh, you probably don't follow me. I got a 3D printer a month ago, my uh, first 3D printer. So I've been looking for places for 3D printed content, STL files and whatnot. And this seems to be exactly what I've been looking for. Just I'm just going to go nuts and print a bunch of and, and stuff. Whole, there's a lot of coverage. Obviously, Odyssey has, is, is more complete, but it's it's more fragmentary because it doesn't allow it you is. to kind of. Yeah. Um, so we're working on that. Uh, 
And I, I think we have a, a good answers because all this has been solved in library science and search for years. It's just, again, gun people haven't been in the habit of kind of applying these these techniques. So that's what we hope to do at DevCAD. Yeah. Uh, again, there are some talented CAD designers in so, here. So Jesus. now we should say in the interest of full disclosure, um, I know that uh, Babyface has a... A ghost gun machine. He already said that. And, yes. Uh, yes. Defense distributed. That. Here, I'm going to go to my camera here. Show you guys. So there's the there's the whole setup of what we're doing. But right behind wow. me there, right behind me. Let me see if I can uh, even get that. That thing right there is the uh, Ghost Gunner Three that came in yesterday. I'm not going to have it set up in the van. I just put it here in the van as a prop. But we are going to be uh, working on th on some things here with that. So you know, it just came in. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can tell it just came in. You know why? <laughs> yeah, because of the foam. <laughs> it's, the, it's, the foam it's upside down. Oh, uh, okay. That's yeah. Well, Wait, I didn't go even back, put it. Go there. back to it. Is it's it a, seriously upside down? Is it upside down? I don't know. I didn't put it there. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, it is, Hank. Is it, it is upside down? down. Yes, it is. It's the, not even the top of the foam yeah, is currently. I. Yeah. Okay. I'm it's all good. It ships upside down. That's how, that's how we ship. It. Yeah, this is how Lola took it out of the box and brought it in here while I was setting up. So. You know, hey, that's that's how it goes. Like I said, it's a prop right now that it's in here. This is not going to be where it's set up. Look, the foam is here because there's a stove underneath this thing that's glass that we're trying. And it's not to, yours. Yes, it's, it's a I'm trying not to, vehicle. Yeah, if I could lift it, you would, but I cannot lift it because it's heavy. I think it looks good, so, man. It looks yeah. like it fits. You know, even in um, Listen. even in a mobile environment, you can. Yeah. You can see Listen, it I'm developing a new yeah. way to uh, CNC stuff upside down, man. Like for space. <laughs> A, you know, for so, space purposes. Technical question for you. Mm -hmm. Something that I have been wondering for a while now, and I don't, I haven't seen because I follow all the Facebook groups for for the Ghost Gunner. I do all that. Have you guys done any consideration for adding coolant to it? Is that something you've thought about? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I don't know if you follow GGD or Gunner's efforts. He's kind of in our ecosystem, but yes, no, Gunner, Gunner, and I are good friends as well as. Uh, Shit, the other guy that runs... Uh, Komar, maybe? Yes, yes. Yeah, Matt Komar. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. Gunner offers commercial refits of the Ghost Gunner for use of coolant. And I'm going to have to text say, him after the show. <laughs> you know, we don't, we don't resell that, but we, we do endorse it. It, it, ha it does work. It's just, I, I think the, the format as it is right now is about exploring the outer limits of what's possible without coolant kind of stay there like right now we we're just about to push our vfd update to the public you're going to be able to do a lot of steel and a lot more steel work uh -huh. with a lot that, more power see, at lower rpms and you i was i was worried uh, i i've milled a handful of lowers on the three on the two heat was never a problem it was slow i mean it took four hours to do a lower now 35 minutes you're starting to push even on aluminum i've found you got to sit and wait a minute before you go pulling that out of the oven because the pieces are scalding hot, um, which is hot. why my thought my thought goes to coolant. Um, I, you know, I have a machine shop downstairs, and coolant is always an important thing. Uh, but if you guys are are oh, we got a minute left. If you guys are moving to new designs that improve steel, because that was my next thought is coolant for steel. If you want to run steel, I figured we would need coolant. But if you guys have something going there, that's interesting. Yeah. VFD is an answer to this, uh, but like when we were doing zero, and by the way, I have a zero here. When we were doing zero, you know, the things get even hotter, and so we had to, to bring in a spindle fan. So we do yeah, sell let's see that zero. Hold that up, Cody. That might be the uh, that that's might the be top the, section. That might be oh, that's okay. Yeah, we we still call top. this the receiver 
because it still meets it will still meet all the state and federal definitions of the receiver, but of course okay. there are other components. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but anyway, when you mill this whole thing, yeah, it's like you're you're dumping a ton of heat into the piece, into the machine, and the yeah. fixtures, mm-hmm. um, so even more than when you're doing eighty percent. And so we just uh, we we hit the absolute limits there, and so we we ship a spindle fan uh, with the, the zero is, kit well, or. What's that? Yeah, we're going to take a quick break. Taking a quick break. We're going to be right back. We wouldn't be able to keep the Who Moved My Freedom podcast going without the support of a DAO or decentralized autonomous organization like Tusk Crypto. Tusk Cryptocurrency is a firearm-friendly e-commerce option for online payment transactions secured on the blockchain. So when you're in the crypto market, please consider Tusk, T-U-S-C. All right, so a quick shout out to everyone out there. Like I said, Flying Rich is out there. He says he knew that I was going to blame Lola. Uh, I mean, um, that's my go-to. That's my go-to. And uh, DLD After Dark is also out there. He says, what's up to Cody? Um, all right. Hey, what's up, <laughs> yeah. man? Yeah. Um, what's up, Patrick? What was your... So I was, I was going to ask, when you, when you buy the 0% uh, jig kit, I guess, is that what comes with uh, Spindle Fan to, to help for cooling? Yeah, yes, yeah, so you'll get like I just happen to have these on the table, it's no big deal, but you'll get like a, <laughs> a, a universal fixture kit. And by yep. the way, that's a V one. We're shipping a V two now. But yeah, it'll it'll come with all the the fasteners and the spindle fan wow. you know, everything. Yeah. So we hope we hope cool. to make those fixtures usable for other things. Um yeah. and I, I feel like spoiling stuff. I, I don't wanna I don't want to go. So I won't go. <laughs> oh. So listen, let me get let me ask this while we're talking about the uh the Ghost Gunner 3 here. Um, just explain to me, there's going to be some folks out there who don't know what it is, what you could do with it. Let's do a quick rundown of that. Oh, I mean, yeah, if, if you absolutely want to. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, you know, it's it's like we saw what was happening in 80% receivers in 2013 when we were doing a lot of 3D printed gun stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like when you got your start. And, and then we realized, okay, the government is not going to let my company do 3D printing guns anymore. Mm-hmm. So what can we do? What gaps in the market did we see? And there just weren't there just weren't affordable desktop CNCs that could do gun work. And it just seemed like if there was one, uh, that would be commercial. So mm-hmm. we just kind of chased what the 80% culture was and just tried to deliver a pretty rigid package that could, that could finish kind of like the library of most popular 80% receivers. That was the only goal in the beginning. We barely got there with Ghost Gunner 1, and we just bootstrapped our way into Ghost Gunner 2 by just kind of making every mistake possible and getting a ton of feedback from very patient customers. And there's no, you know, there's, we had no real theory for CNC design or anything. We just kind of had to solve every little problem as we went, and we just slowly got better and better. The spindle concentricity improved, and we engineered specific parts, and then we realized, okay, we have a theory for how to go beyond 80% and just make it like a really good CNC platform. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've just been trying to to honor that, and there's there's still a lot to do. Like, I think by the end of the year, we'll we'll support commercial RMR, like a library of RMR solutions. You know, Gunner and, and other people have made different attempts at solving the zero percent problem. Our zero percent problem, or the way we've solved it, is a, is a bit more commercial, a bit more packaged, uh, because we want to sell, we want to continue to sell kits to states which have already banned eighties, mm-hmm. and we anticipated that Joe Biden himself would ban eighties. Mm-hmm. Miracle of miracles! Gosh, you read that rule, and even though the the press tells you ghost guns are banned, wow, it's like no metal eighty percent receiver got banned. Cool. Mm-hmm. So now suddenly kit guns are are illegal, and the ghost gunner is the fastest, easiest way to finish AR eighty percent receivers. Well, all right, mm-hmm. I'll take. It. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It's just a position yeah. we find ourselves in. And so, you know, we went to NRA, for example. We signed a number of, of national dealers and stuff. People get it. Mm-hmm. So gone are the days of EasyJ. Gone are the days of the Palm Ready Kit. But here are uh, an era of new tools where you, you don't just have to do 80% receivers. You can do gunsmithing work of, of any vintage or any kind you want. And, and I hope that the tool will become more ubiquitous in our space. Yeah. So what can what can we use? If someone buys this machine, what can they build with it? You know, what can they well, make right it's, now? It's like a 3D printer. I mean, it's 10 times more expensive than a Chinese 3D printer. But mm-hmm. it's the same. There's the same openness to the platform. So it's not like... Okay, you can only do you can only select from a handful of jobs or something. It is fully programmable. There's a basic crash course in, in G code and, and CNC in the manual, and it's uh, it's basically an open platform that's open to all the common CNC and, and other controller standards on the internet and in other projects. So you can do anything that you want to do with it if you're if you're willing to to set up and learn how to do fixturing and. Mm-hmm. Uh, plastic, you can skeletonize, you can engrave. I know that's not like exciting, but increasingly that becomes necessary for our customers. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Customers live no, in go, Ghost Rider, uh, for regular folks, I feel like they, most of the people on the, the Facebook groups get their CNC machine and then are like, they make two or three lowers and then like, what else can we do? And then Ghost Rider comes along and you're like, holy shit, I can, I can make what? I can do, use art on my guns now? And yeah, it's a big yeah. deal for a lot yeah. of people. And Babyface has a video on this that's still on YouTube, by the way. It is still on YouTube if you want to. And if anybody wants the uh, the, the files for uh, to, to clone an M16, I do have those still. <laughs> I'm not selling them. They are free, so do not sue me. Mr. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. For yeah, you know, it's like I, I don't want to limit what the what the tool can do. If, if mm-hmm. anything, we're, we just slowly try to improve. Mm-hmm. It's ability, and I think this VFD thing will show like a lot more versatility with steel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if anything, I'm I'm always surprised at what the customer can do. Like we we said no on steel 1911 frames, you know, like a year ago, and yet here we are finding that the customer found a way to get it done. So mm-hmm. we're basically just taking that knowledge, repackaging it, and putting it back out to the customer. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, even I don't know the limits of what the machine is capable of. It's it's something to be discovered, and we're working with other groups, even in the 3D printing space, uh, to characterize uh, some of the machine's capabilities with angle flats, you know, multi multi material stuff. I, it's kind of to determine what you can do with the machine. Okay, as have any b- bullpups been built yet? Well, I can speak to <laughs> like an Are We Cool Yet project where uh-huh. they're trying to make a laminated bolt for like a. P90 clone, for example. Okay. Um, I guess that counts well, as a bullpup, right? We know yeah. of that. We know of that cool project that's going on right now. Uh, <laughs> I hope I'm not. Yeah, I hope I'm not like telling tales. No, it, it, it's yeah. it's been it, it's yeah. been spoiled slightly, but not completely. And I am in, incredibly on board with what they are conceptually what they're going for. Yeah, those yeah. those uh, yeah. So I, I've seen things like that. There's also um bolts that people are making for like let's say pump action shotgun 3d printed concepts I, i've seen a number of impressive multi-material concepts that have involved the ghost gunner and, I, and i'm happy for that involvement mm-hmm. have you seen a lot of companies um jumping into the space making things so for example i know you get the machine you need to get jigs and different things right have you seen lots of companies jumping in there and um you know figuring out a way to make some money Oh, sure. I mean, I think 20% of our customers probably are FFLs. Mm-hmm. And like Babyface said, it's like about customization, you know, within their 
operations or personalization, things like that. Uh, GGD sells a number of, of custom fixtures and work holding that, that we don't make, you know, and uh, they they partner with us to make AK fixturing. So there's a number of people out there who, who do work holding and stuff beyond what we offer. So we're just trying to loosely model ourselves off like a, like a Red Hat Linux environment where we, we support mm-hmm. the core platform, but there's plenty of people in the ecosystem who are, who are doing weird customization and kind of discovering uh, new commercial avenues and stuff that we uh, we don't even plan to explore. Yeah. Um, by the way, DLD is absolutely encouraging you to leak something. If you know, um, I, might, I might be. Uh, Dark, uh, well, Dark just wants to see the world burn. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, to me, some of it's about timing. It's always about timing because you, right. you don't know if, if the Biden rule will come into effect at the end of August like they want. Maybe a, mm-hmm. maybe a court here or there will hold it up. So here's a leak for you. I think GOA will sue Biden on Friday. Um, mm-hmm. See, I'm, I'm leaking other people's plans. And not my own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. can only hope. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we'll see what ATS responses in the mm-hmm. in the Division 80, the, the Polymer 80 case in Texas on July 1. So we'll learn a lot from that. It's like I want to know these things before I even plan mm-hmm. kind of my next thing. But you've already seen like in January we went for 0% rifles. Okay, well, what's another type of 0% to do, right? I, I don't mm-hmm. think it's a huge surprise where I where I'm going next. Uh, so I'll leave my remarks there, probably. Okay. All right. Um, and so with with all this stuff going on, I think I saw you talking to James from uh, TFB TV about this, but I thought this is a good thing to elaborate on. Dealing with the old dudes out there, you know the uh, <laughs> was, the there old were comments, dudes. They were so mad. Everybody always gets so mad when I talk about them boomers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, that's who that's who's buying this stuff, right? That's not everyone is like younger yeah. or understands com- they're, the, those. They're uh, mind you, for, it's a twenty five hundred dollar machine. The boomers have the money right now. You know, right? They're the guys that's, that got the money to blow. Yeah. Up they like if it, but if if you don't go to Facebook to print it, they don't really know what to do. You know, if you yeah, you, that's true. Yeah, if you can't, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of handhold thing. You know, the right. business is, yeah. is a service business too. You know, we have a full time. Yeah service team and everything and and that's okay I, it's fine and they by the way they get it done right it's not mm-hmm. just that they are ignorant but they also figure it out so mm-hmm. yeah. uh i don't mean to slur the great boomer but um <laughs> i you know i also do i also do think it's a kind of spoiled generation but like everybody dumps on the boomer now it's like popular so uh mm-hmm. yeah feel free to go ahead and jump I, in i'm not you know politically <laughs> It's yeah. like they they sold the farm politically, and my generation's not strong enough to undo the damage. Gosh, probably won't be one for a couple hundred years that's strong enough. It's just mm-hmm. interesting that you can um, get so high, make so much money. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. I just have nothing good to say. It's a Well, it's a tough learning curve, right? Because they didn't grow up with computers. I mean, I'm 50, and so when I was born... In the early 70s, there wasn't a lot of computers out there. I was just always interested in it. And I don't know everything. Uh, Babyface treats me like a boomer all the time. You know, he always gets mad at me. He doesn't like the... You basically are. Yeah, he doesn't like, uh, you know, the emojicons or whatever that I use. Because you... Hank is... So when so. Hank and I text, he is notorious for, for making up meanings for emojis that's what you and then he, i'll be like i'll be like that you know that means this and he's like no 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 no. to me it means that's this. interpretive I'm like, you can't change language give, give me like an that. example give me an example it's interpretive oh, God. 
What's, what's the, the what's the eyes eyes wide open emoji you love using? Oh, uh, hold on, let me see. It, what's your interpretation of it? Because it's like shock and surprise, or like, whoa, what are you doing? You know, the 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 wide eye. Yeah, smiley this one. Face. Um, yeah, I'm trying to see how exactly I could show you the <laughs> but thing what do that you I'm talking use about with that. What, what do you mean? What do I use it for? Hold on, I'll. You I'm have a different like you you say it means something different to you. Which well, is so, not how so, language works. So, like, if I'm talking to you and you say something and I'm trying to give you the stare down, that's what you're talking oh, about. Oh, that's right? what it is. Yeah, Hank's, yeah. Hank's so stare I'll down. So, I use this. The, this is my stare down. Right. <laughs> that's not a stare down. That's not a stare down. That's, that's a, like, oh, you, just, you just what? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, uh, that's my wide eyed disbelief of what the hell you're saying <sighs> to me. Yeah. I mean, I get it. That's supposed to be what? Just surprised or embarrassed? Or Surprise, yeah. yeah. Is that what the kids uh, are? I, you know, I get it. And that's how these things are supposed to work, you know, they're gonna mm -hmm. shift slide around and everything else. Yeah. Um Everything is evolving though. Player. Everything is evolving. So first of all, Cody, I thought you were an agent of chaos, man. Who you me? Know? Yeah. If you're if you're an anarchist, you know, then you should yeah. definitely believe that emojicons are open. Can be to whatever you want them to mean, right? Yes. <laughs> uh well I mean there's no there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I increasingly find myself though in, like, in this other, this strange conservative position. So I, I don't mm. really know how to yeah. square it. Um, it's. Have you guys ever seen that commercial? I don't know if is it like it's something about buying a house, and um, you know it's like you know when you buy a house, do you become your father? <laughs> have oh, you seen I, that thing? I have. I Where like younger have. people all of a sudden become really old because they bought a house and you know now they're wrapping everything in plastic and they're complaining about the prices of stuff. And this kind of like making fun of the boomers kind of a thing. So you, you're, go, you're going to get there. Uh, I've, I see it all the time. I see it in those around me and stuff. Yeah, I, I, I do feel this tension because, uh, gosh, I definitely know how to party. But um, mm -hmm. I, yeah. I guess our moment requires more from us these days. And uh, Wait I wish I wasn't getting sued all the time. You know? yeah. <laughs> the, kids, God, the kids that are being born right now are going to treat you guys so rough. When you get yeah, old, yeah, <laughs> they already are. Okay, sure. they're gonna go. Damn it, you don't have a chip in your head. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, we're really not gonna How? understand that kind of stuff. No, no. Here's a here's a uh, an, another uh, touchy feely question. How tough was it dealing? Because you were what mid twenties when you first started <laughs> all the legal trouble. How tough was it dealing with that and going like, hey, I could wind up in prison for the rest of my life for dumb shit that I think should be legal yeah. or is legal. Yeah, I mean, it's quite an adjustment. And so you, Hank, I think you said you had your children when you were in your early 20s. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe Dee Dee is like my child or something. I, I got in trouble in my, at 24, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, I felt ever since then that I had to kind of surmount that trouble. And it's not really mm -hmm. something that you can. It's just always going to be with you, I guess. So mm -hmm. um, maybe I'm still not used to just this mountain of, of problems. But... You know, I, I have such pity for the other people in our space who are starting to get in trouble because they don't seem to understand it. I think they look at my example and they go, oh, okay, I can handle that. Mm -hmm. And then they have these freakouts. And I, you know, I won't name names, but I've really seen a bunch of people lose their composure in our space now very quickly and under almost no pressure. So 
quite undignified. And so I wish I could say something about it. <laughs> it's quite undignified. Sorry. That's the quote of the evening. Please keep pressure. Lou, what's the, what's the quote? If you could keep your head when all others around you are losing it. It's quite yeah. undignified. There you go. That's like <laughs> yeah. you, sound, you, you sound like uh, somebody from the 20s. You smoke yeah, a cigar. Uh, Cody has this quiet sarcasm <laughs> thing going. <laughs> well, it's like, what do, you think, what do you think this is, right? Everybody wants the, the micro cachet for being like mm-hmm. a cool base 3D printer guy. And then when they get in trouble, they seem to freak out and act like they don't deserve it. Well, that's that's the other part of it, as far as I'm concerned. And I don't think you get the one without the other. I, I've certainly lived that way. So. Yeah. I mean, isn't um, it like what Mike Tyson used to say? Everyone has a plan until they get punched I was, in the face. I was waiting. I knew there was a quote that, that was perfect for that. And you're absolutely that's, correct. That's yeah. a quote. That's a quote for all time, man. That's that's mm-hmm. up there with yeah. anything Alexander the Great said. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and it's absolutely true. But you know, when you're 3D printing guns in this environment, you are asking to be punched in the face. So you know, mm-hmm. you shouldn't uh, cry out and ask why it happened when it happens. And so, I guess that'll be my answer to you. Like, I, I've definitely tried to get used uh, to being punched in the face repeatedly. Uh, it doesn't mm-hmm. really feel better mm-hmm. yeah. the more it happens, but I, you you can get more used to it. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, you know, definitely we're, we're just living in an age. I think it's it's when people are looking to solve problems that are happening right now, this is one of the things like everyone wants attention. It's kind of easy. We have the 15 second attention machine. There's lots of people chasing that and they don't realize that everything has a price. Every single thing has a price. That's like, you know, physics, right? You're going to pay for whatever it is you get here. That's the, yeah. that's the thing I learned quickly getting into the YouTube scene. Because as a as a you, you look at it and you're like, man, I can get free guns for people that I just make a video. It's off. And you're like, no, goddamn, that is that is like days of my life for that quote unquote free gun. There's a price to all of it. <laughs> yeah, everything has a everything yeah. has a price. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd say, damn. Yeah. Um I like I like where we've gotten, mm-hmm. but I don't know that I like the price. <laughs> When I look back, it's been a price for sure. Uh, but now that I'm here, I feel like this is Spangler or something. This is old school stuff, but it's like, I like the post. Uh, I'll man the post, you know, and I, I hope to teach <laughs> other 3D printed people this mm, demeanor over time. Okay. This is one of my uh, questions I had here that I had prepared that I'm going to ask you. How do you live your life now af- after everything's happened? Like, and what I mean by that is, what kind of phone? Do you have a phone? you know, smartphone, how do you pay bills, you 15. know, you're a crypto guy. Like, how do you live your life after all of this? Yeah. Suitcase full of burner phones right, <laughs> right now. He will always ready, like, what is that, what was the movie? What was the movie with uh, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro where he was like, you you better be ready heat. to walk away in 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, that's Heat, man. That's Michael Mann. Yeah, that's, yes. that's a good movie. That's probably, yeah. probably Michael Mann's best movie, although yeah. he does not like it when you ask him about it. So oh, really? Just in case. Just oh wait, hold, hold, hold on. You asked, did you get a chance to ask him about it? Let's not skip. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say, <laughs> don't ask Michael Mann about heat. Really? Uh, what? Uh, best gun, best shootout scenes out of any movie. Yeah, that that movie is being is used as a class. They 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 play that movie in classes on tactics. And... Oh sure, sure. Uh, like very accurate gunplay. Very yeah. Even yeah. The audio engineering on it was really accurate about how loud really? the guns were. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, yeah, we did a we did a movie night on that. Sometimes we do it a movie night around here. On uh, we we do this thing like on the podcast, like we talk about a specific movie, and then everyone that comes in, we all talk about the movie, and that was the first one. You know, Heat's amazing. Yeah, it was good. Very good. Yeah, I amazing. I will. Well, you know, there's for me, it's all Michael Mann. It's all like high modernism and 
mm-hmm. you know, like long lenses and uh, his mm-hmm. his cinema. Gosh, there's a lot to talk about here. I see we only have a minute left. So I'll say I will answer your question, but maybe I'll begin to answer your question after mm-hmm. the break. Uh, in the meantime, I would say like the alienated man in the metropole, you know, who feels his only recourse is the firearm or something. Like this is the Ur film of Michael Mann. And mm-hmm. maybe uh, it's less about the gunplay itself than like uh, about men who don't know anything other than how to, maybe like me at this point, how to like, alienate themselves and secede from themselves and everyone around them like uh yeah that's he has of he has a kind of sophistication about his movies didn't he was it collateral what was the movie with um tom cruise and jamie fox wasn't that i think that was collateral right where he's mm-hmm. yeah the wolf in the city and jamie mm-hmm. fox is like the taxi driver and uh, yeah that was yep. very good that's the i mean jamie fox is like a weird actor that he does brilliantly in some movies and then every other movie is horrible <laughs> That's an incredible role. That's one of my yeah. favorite of his roles for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That was a, that was a great movie. That was a, a good Michael Mann. I'll have to go and look, and follow up on Michael Mann movies. Um, Thief, I'm, check out Thief. Yeah, I'm on a Farrelly Brothers uh, kick right now. We're going to take a break and come right back. The Who Moved My Freedom podcast is made possible by our partners at Two A Commerce, veteran owned and with over 20 years experience. Two A Commerce is the leader in custom e-commerce and web application development in the shooting sports industry. Clients include major brands such as Guard Dog Body Armor, Sylvan Arms, AccuFire Technologies, The Tactical Games, Warrior Knife Company, and yours truly, Hank Strange. Visit 2A Commerce and support this show by supporting them. Once again, visit the number 2acommerce.com. It'll... So yeah, yeah this will be on YouTube tomorrow. Uh, yeah, we're just having a little bit of chat in the background here. <laughs> um, so this will be on YouTube tomorrow, and it'll be on iTunes and all that kind of stuff um, as well. I was saying that um, you know I'm on a big Farrelly Brothers kick. Do you guys know about the Farrelly Brothers? I might not be even pronouncing it right. So <laughs> me, myself, and Irene. Me, myself. Yeah, and I know Irene, that movie. That's one of us. There's something about Mary. They have a very yeah. specific way of doing movies, and I, I kind of... Yeah. There's something about like Mary, that. man. I just saw the trailer for that again the other day. That thing is so crazy. That is a wild mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, it's yeah. very funny. I, I made my, uh, my, my kids and I, we were watching it. I like, you know, I'm, I'm into the really stylized movies where you could tell who made the movie when you look at it, and I feel the same way about... Uh, you know, I see myself as a filmmaker. That's really why I started doing YouTube. It's always been my aspirations to be a filmmaker... And, um, you know, that's, that's what I'm up to here on YouTube. So that's great, man. Who's your favorite, uh, you know, cinematographer, uh, cinematographer. Oh no, I don't really, I don't ever look, you know, I do look at the cinematographers, but I don't know. I always look at everything from the director point of view, I think. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, but obviously the cinematographers really create, um, you know, that sense of feel. And I think probably the best ones would be the ones that everyone winds up mimicking later. So I can't act, a- answer it unless I go look at IMDb. But I would say the cinematography on the original uh, Matrix movies is pretty good because everyone copied it. And it kind of like puts you right into that frame of mind, you know, like you're, you're kind of in this computer game. I would have to look that up and see who did it. But I like that. And then everyone copied it. And now it's kind of like, you know, eventually becomes overused. I would say. You know, that's worth looking up. I, I don't know who did the cinematography for yeah, Matrix. Yeah, did the original? Uh-huh. Let me see. Matrix. Looking at I'll IMDb look it up. You keep going. here. Yeah, I would have to look at like, like all cast and crew. Go ahead. 
Mm-hmm. It says Bill Pope. I, I like listening to film school yeah. recordings and stuff like on YouTube, mm-hmm. just in the background. So I'm, I'm with mm-hmm. you, man. I maybe I I don't necessarily see myself as a filmmaker, but mm-hmm. I, maybe I want to be, you know, in another life mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Me too. I was just saying yesterday, one of my favorite movies of all time, Space Truckers. I like horrible movies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you got a, you know, uh, Red Letter Media has a lot of those best of the worst mm-hmm. uh, They'll watch and they'll dissect yeah. some of the old movies and what they like about them. And I, I enjoy that too. Yeah. A great movie to me is a movie that you can watch over and over and over again. So I hate, with a passion, I hate M. Night Shyamalan. And I know... <laughs> you know, he's uh, supposed yeah. to be one of my people. I'm half Indian, but damn it, I hate that guy as a filmmaker. <laughs> I mean, dude, the Sixth Sense, though. You know what they say? The Sixth Sense showed such. It was good. Yeah, it was awesome. Professional. I mean, it was flawless. It was just who is this guy? This guy knew every, every beat, everything. Mm-hmm. Honestly, man, it is. Uh, you, you can learn a lot just from watching how he, he built the Sixth Sense. But I'm, yeah. I'm with you. And then you know they put him in Hollywood jail there for a long time because he started yeah. flopping, but. Uh, yeah, I think I, 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 I hate when I hate when you could predict a movie like that, like because you know, <laughs> because they're just twisting it to make it a twist. Which I feel like every filmmaker, obviously filmmakers have you know things that they put in there, Easter eggs and ways that you yeah, can tell yeah. this is a film. From I mean, he got he, he relied too much on that on the mm-hmm. twist in the end and became a yeah like a cliche. Mm-hmm. But damn, the yeah. twists and six sense. Six sense was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. I, mean, I look, Unbreakable is. He's on the same level as far as I'm I've never seen. You know what's funny? I've never seen Unbreakable yeah, because I got tired of M. Night Shyamalan and I was dude, like, I can't keep going yourself, through the same thing. <laughs> do yourself a favor. All right. Very soon, right before the end of the year, all right, mm-hmm. when you're feeling very charitable and you want to smoke cigars, mm-hmm. like watch Unbreakable just to do it, right? Yeah. I I'll, guarantee I'll do you. it. Yeah. It's um, now that we talked about it, I'll probably wind up. This is how crazy my you mind is. You'll end up going and watching. Yeah. Once you pull that thread, it's like, okay. Yeah. Okay. And then a I'm week lost. from now, I'll be hearing about it. <laughs> yeah. I'll go down. I'll be looking at all M. Night. My, my, all least, my least favorite one, and I don't know why he made it, is um, what's, is it Airbender? Last Airbender. Why in the hell? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They killed him for that. They totally killed him for that. Why? Why did he do? It's just like um, Guy Ritchie. There's two things in life that messed up Guy Ritchie. One is called Madonna. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Madonna ruined Guy Ritchie for me. I was such a big Guy Ritchie fan as a filmmaker. And then he just got, he got commercialized, man, and started, you know. Yeah. It it just became about luxury flexing and stuff, in in my opinion. Or his aesthetic no longer had a, yeah, there's there's like a whole essay here for sure on how the aesthetic changed. Well, now he's making these big budget movies, so he'll do uh, he'll do like Robin Hood or something like. I think he did Robin Hood, right? Uh, he did King Arthur, I know for sure. But now he's doing these big, massive epics, and it's almost like he's trying to do the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit uh, kind of stuff that Peter Jackson did. And it's so ridiculous that when you look at it, the big thing about making movies to me or anything, like even having a conversation, someone has to suspend their disbelief. The minute you realize that you're in a movie or you're watching a movie, over. You know, so. I, when, I know what you mean. You, and yet, mm-hmm. A bunch of modern Hollywood and independent film is about calling attention to just the, the technical stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, taking you out of it, doing these really long, you know. I, there's, there's all this self-consciousness in modern cinema. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I like standard mid-century Kubrick I, I like knowing that like what I'm looking is at is really well crafted but then yeah mm-hmm. I like being pulled out of it and being mm-hmm. kept in the story 
Yeah, I like a movie that I can look at over and over and over again. You know, I think the, a good book is the same thing. Uh, if you read a oh, good book, a you can, oh, yeah, you can without just read it many times through your life. Yeah, yeah. I got I got books around here. I got like uh, some slaughtered. I got four copies. I'll, you know, it'll mm-hmm. be like how some people have guns in different rooms of their house. You know. Mm-hmm. It's like I got a few of uh, Slaughter Dykes, like, You Must Change Your Life, just, like, tucked mm-hmm. away in different parts. And any time I'm there, I'll, just, I'll go to it. I've been reading that book since, like, 2010. You know, I'd, I'd come back over and over and over. So good. Yeah. Um, our, our, our space could really benefit from uh, becoming more philosophical, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things, like, so, for example, this podcast is called Who Moved My Freedom? Um, and it came from the book called Who Moved My Cheese? I don't know if you've ever read that. And I would have to look it up to tell you exactly who wrote it. But that's who, that's who I'm looking at. A, I read that book many times in a year. It's a really short book to read. I think it will take you like 20 minutes to read it. Uh, who moved my cheese? But everyone you know, should should read that book. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm actually times. just reminded of the pilot of Smiling Friends. I, I think it's Spencer book. Johnson. Spencer uh, Johnson, that's right. Could, yeah. So let's see if I can. Uh, I lost you guys. Pull it up. Yeah. Uh, here we go. This is. Uh, this is what Who Moved My Cheese look like right here, Spencer Johnson. It's a good book to read, and um, you know, and that's why I call the podcast Who Moved My Freedom, because it re- it's one of those things that reminds you all the time of how your brain, you know, should be working, right? Um, you see, this thing's not focusing. Yeah. So anyway, listen, we're we're I can talk about movies for whatever time we have left. Forever. <laughs> and Patrick will start going, <laughs> "You bastard!" <laughs> so um, I'll say I'll say one go, more thing. Yes, go ahead. Here, like mm-hmm. if you look, can you see? This, it's such a mess here. But if you look, let's see. Mm-hmm. There, just over there. That's uh, a thousand Criterion Blu-rays over there. Oh wow! Uh, that's every old school tour film mm-hmm. from the 20th century. So I'm very proud yeah. of that collection. Yeah. Um, so anytime, Hank, you want to come by, I'll give you some movies. Absolutely. You're in Texas, right? Where are you? Um, do you give in out Austin, that? Austin, You're, Texas. Austin. Oh, it's oh. a shame. It's a shame. And, have happens. you been on Rogan? I, was, I meant to ask you that. Um, have you ever been on Rogan? Because I was trying you know, to... You know, I haven't. I don't tell pe- many people this. Like, they negotiated with me in 2014 and 2015, and I just mm-hmm. thought, I want to do it. And... Uh, <laughs> Now, now I would be, I would feel so lucky if they asked me to, but I, I think I'm too toxic now. You think, oh, you think Rogan wouldn't have oh, you Oh, hell no. Nowadays? No, he'd take think. you on in no time. Yeah, I'm pretty I, sure. I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm friendly with Malice and Malice is friends with Rogan out here. You know, everybody lives in Austin out here now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a hub. So I, I think it's, it's the it's new Hollywood. Hollywood. <laughs> it's probably, he'll just run through so many guests, eventually they'll, they might ask me again, but I think yeah. um, he, he has a line to walk, you know, like he, he can upset a lot of people at Spotify and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of um, an upsetting guy, so I, mm-hmm. I don't really expect to be asked again. Okay. I think I, one, I think you're very interesting. I think he does have – so, for example, I've noticed he's had uh, Coleon Noir on a few times, which I think is a good thing. You know, um, and yeah. I, I think that's one guy for the Second Amendment who gets up on Joe Rogan, and uh, you know, I like the fact that he sticks to his guns and stuff like that. I think it would be very interesting for you to be on there. and you know, But I know how this works, especially – now that he's so busy and this is kind of like industrialized, he's got you know, it's a lot of money and folks and all that kind of stuff working for it. But being I mean, in Austin should you know should be able to happen. It'll it'll probably happen. Like, well, I think we're both going to be at this Alex Jones film premiere thing at, at the end mm-hmm. of July. I mean, you know, it's like eventually you just I've seen him a few times like in Vegas and stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll happen. 
I just, again, man, I'm very sensitive to where the culture is, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I think it would be too much for Mr. Rogan to risk to even uh, platform me, yeah. you know what I mean? Here's like my suggestion. Time. If you know you're going to run into Joe Rogan somewhere, you know, I say get a very nice salmon pink silk shirt, big collars, rock that. You probably get his attention. The reason why I'm saying this, because it was so weird. I remember when it happened, you know, um... When he had Elon Musk on, he wore this weird sh- I was like, why? I always see him in a t-shirt or whatever. And Musk came on and he wore this, like, am I am I wrong about that? If, if people go I don't, back. I don't recall, but it yeah. sounds, sounds right. It was weird. It was like the weirdest thing. I was like, is he dressing up for Elon Musk or something? Is he, does he look up to Elon Musk's genius so much? And he's like, oh, I've got to be, you know, very. Uh, I mean, he knew it would be a big helpful. show. I bet, I bet you knew oh, yeah. it would be a big one. Yeah. Uh, Alex Jones is my favorite, man. I, the quote, you know, he goes, you know, Joe, I'm a little bit retarded. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I love, yeah, Alex that, Alex Jones, I think, is probably the uh, the bigger ones, although that made big news. Okay, so the, the question, though, that we were asking you before we came to the break was, like, you know, h- how do you live your life differently now? So what kind of, you know, are you off grid? This is what I'm trying to get to here. I think I'm very much on the grid. Mm-hmm. By the way, is there a delay now with my? Um, there may no. be. Yeah, I, I saw a little thing, but I think you're good. Uh, very yeah. minor, if anything. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, ever since I've been doing this, especially because I came from a libertarian point of view when I started, you know, every libertarian crank in in the world and professional outfit in the world has tried to cater to to our needs, and our security, mm-hmm. IT, and all this stuff. You know, really interesting security possibilities. Mm-hmm. I used to even have interesting phones. You know, like physically hardened and encrypted phones and all this stuff but mm-hmm. uh no i over the years i've just you know a few things i've just decided are you know signal is important i even stopped using pgp a few years ago it's just you know demonstrably hacked um mm-hmm. obviously I, I have a lot of crypto i've been big into crypto for about 10 years mm-hmm. um even though we're in the middle of crypto winter again like it, it's i got in early enough to where it's mm-hmm. we're fine <clears throat> I just mm-hmm. think um, it's just not good, not good times to be a digital libertarian. But that doesn't mean there can't be good times in the future and that we shouldn't plan you know, for that future. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I don't take as many precautions as you might think. I don't live in a, in a strange, outlandish way. Mm-hmm. Um, try to build our company here in Austin. And um, even my employees, you know, they have a standard payroll. Like we don't pay anybody in Bitcoin or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I could say something more romantic, but... <laughs> well, do you feel like do you feel like if you did that that you would kind of be given into the terrorist kind of a thing, you know, by changing the way that you live your life, or is it is it just like out of yeah, fuck it, you know, uh, I'm just gonna do whatever is easy. Like, what? Why is it that you're doing it that way? Because I know a lot of us do expect that you be all top secret stuff, and yeah. You know, well, I definitely yeah. dump. I dump the phone about every year, and there are certainly some machines that are air-gapped around here and stuff like that. You know, like, there are some basic precautions that we mm-hmm. take. But the company is my life, and my own personal life is not usually very interesting. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's just not just not much that I have to look out for. Mm-hmm. But I have an interesting correspondence with a number of people doing interesting things. And for their sake, I will follow their protocols. And, mm-hmm. and I... Because I've been in practice over the years doing these things, I'm good at doing that. So I, I still think it's good to be in the practice and to know about graphene and virtual SIM cards and all this bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's fine. 
I just, mm -hmm. you know, for my own sake, it's not that useful. Maybe when I'm traveling internationally it is, uh, but I just don't really do that these days. Okay. Yeah, I just got my first virtual SIM card because we switched over to the 13s. Uh, and I didn't even realize that was a thing until I started looking into it. So is that good or bad? Uh, I look, it depends on what you're trying to do, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's like if you can get Google off your phone and, you know, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. You know, these mm -hmm. things have basic directions that everybody can kind of understand. Um, mm -hmm. And that's not getting easier to do. But, mm -hmm. you know, there's like interesting Nokia commercial offerings and stuff that back, or, mm -hmm. yeah, every few years, like people who are privacy conscious will get like a, a cool new thing. And there's always mm -hmm. interesting software and OS projects out there to cater to, to the privacy conscious. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, it's just not my, it's not my daily thing. It's not my bread and butter, but um, there's certainly a lot out there in a lot of communities. Like even this most recent uh, conference we did, Bear Arms and Bitcoin, there are a number of privacy specialists there. Anybody who's really interested, who's close to our space, can kind of learn all that there is to learn within a day or two uh, about what they should be doing. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I would just point you to um, a younger 3D gun printer than me. He can tell you all about what, what you need to do. Okay. All right. And who would that be? <laughs> uh, any of them. <laughs> oh, any of them. Okay. So like Control Pew. Uh, we've uh, had Vin the Gwen on. Do you know Vin? Yeah, of course. Uh, I, yeah. You know, I don't awesome. know what what the Gatalog privacy standards are or anything. I, I'm mm -hmm. not sure. But I would say especially if they're 3D gun printing and they're, like, not in the United States, for example. You know, mm -hmm. ask them, but they do. Mm -hmm. um, mm. Interesting. Yeah. So what Man. do you – What? go ahead, Patrick. Mm -hmm. No, I was just going to say uh, the 3D world, I think, lost a guy a couple years back, was it? Oh. If anybody um, knows. Yeah, that uh, – I can't remember his name. He was on. He get. He was on that. Uh, he did a Vice interview as well, and then. Uh, yeah, you can't remember Jay Stark's name. Um, is that who it is? is that, yeah. 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 Jay Stark, dude. Yeah, obviously he had some privacy interests, but he made mm -hmm. certain concessions as well. And in the end, obviously it, it catches up to you. Mm -hmm. But you know, you can't be perfect. How long can you be perfect? Right. These things are. I'm not trying to tell people to not try to be perfect, but it's better to just practice a digital hygiene. Maybe like what you're doing, Hank, where you're not really trying to hide anything. Probably you're just trying to get more and more independent maybe or more and more practice at being yeah. independent i think at the end if they if they want to get you they're going to get you you know but we're living life i mean life should be danger you know at one point we were running from the saber-toothed tigers and stuff like that you know uh, it's not i wouldn't put my i wouldn't step in front of a, a of a, a speeding locomotive or anything like that but if, if folks if people are really set on getting you man especially the government you know they're using everyone's money against you so what are you going to do about that? Uh, yeah, there's no doubt. And then even like the worst part about like digital anarchist activism and stuff is often that it, it's styled as anti-government. But you mm -hmm. find that kind of a lot of it supports government narratives. So it's like you, you take all this effort and then you realize you may not even be opposing the power that you think you are. Mm -hmm. It's really terrible. Uh, I, so I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't always have clarity on like how to live or what the best thing is to do. But to directly answer your question... Man, I just try to run my business because I know they don't want that. So mm -hmm. um, I take the steps and measures necessary. I manage security and other things like that to, to run the business, to know there's continuity, to know there's insurance, to know there's other kinds of lines mm -hmm. uh, that keep the business going. So that's that's my contribution. Yeah, I think you're doing very well, man. You know, from, from what I'm seeing here, I think you're very well balanced and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not following you around every day like the CIA or whoever else is. So uh, I was, <laughs> you know, you know what, for experience. me, like you said, life should be danger, you know, so I was, mm -hmm. 
I like to date like unbalanced women, for example. <laughs> and, uh, you know, oh, to, oh boy! I try to get like an infusion of it because it's like well, obviously I love chaos. It's right. just like I don't feel like I'm that chaotic of a person, so I have right. to oh import. I wonder if that includes chaos. the current the, one that you were looking at to over at the side at. No, unstable man, that girl, women. That girl's yeah. great. She's a sweetheart. She's oh, not, okay. She's not crazy. I mean, she's crazy, sec- but she's not like unstable. Oh, okay. The sexy time with an unstable girl is fantastic. Yep. But do you yep. really need that chaos no. in all other aspects of yeah. your lives? Look, dude, stone cold. <laughs> stone cold. Those crazy girls can do it better. Oh. Way better than you ever thought possible. But you got to deal with that. Yeah. And there, yep. you know, there's 24 I... hours in a day, man. And it's like, you know, you're you're pushing it just to get one hour out of that. So it's like. I, no. I, I think you're better off finding a nerdy girl. A lot of nerdy girls <laughs> yep. look all sweet and innocent on the outside. And are completely the opposite of that, and it's way better yep. than a than a cray cray chick. Okay, yeah. Look, if you man, if you, you wake know. up with 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 a chick pointing your gun at you, you are not in the right situation. <laughs> it's and it's happened to me in my life, and I've learned to not be in those situations ever again. Yeah, I, you know, in my current situation, that's that'd be a tough one. But I can't say it doesn't have an appeal. <laughs> okay all right um listen so and then uh with bitcoin before i know we're gonna we've got like 30 seconds here but we'll we'll you know obviously it's taking a dive right now you're still in though you're not changing anything no no i think all those shit coiners should be punished and have extreme scrotal torture and it's fine with me uh you know it's fine what, wipe them all is- out if you, if you don't mind saying, when did you first? What was the price point when you first became aware of Bitcoin? Yeah. Uh, so here's what. Here, listen, after here's what after should, them. After yeah. Here's them, what we should do. Let's take this quick break. We're gonna come back. We are gonna wrap up, but yeah, we'll let we'll let Cody Because I have I have a Bitcoin story. Uh, sure. We wouldn't be able to keep the Who Move My Freedom podcast going without the support of manufacturers like Safety Harbor Firearms. SHF is a quintessential family-owned small business, totally representative of the American dream. Safety Harbor Firearms is a Florida-based manufacturer of the compact entry stock and the SHTF 50 upper for an AR-15 lower. Also, SHF happily delivers on your Sten Gun parts needs. So don't forget to check out StenParts.com and SafetyHarborFirearms.com. Yeah, so just some quick um, stuff here. We were just talking about Safety Harbor Firearms. Walter of Safety Harbor Firearms is in the chat. He says he's looking for Polish PM, what is it, PM63 or a rack barrel that he could borrow. Um, okay. What he a says even a question. chopped up barrel with work will work. I don't know what's going on with that. So if anyone, yeah, if anyone could do, uh, has any uh, thing on that, uh, let me or Babyface or Walter know. Um, and DLD said this. He said, Cody, just know that you inspire a lot of people, man, especially with your resilience, brother. Never quit. DLD. Thank you, Dave. That's nice. It's real yeah. nice, man. Yeah, he's a good dude. Okay, so go ahead. Um, are you going to... When were you... Yeah, before we sign off, when were you first aware of, of crypto? When, what was the price point? Uh, Bitcoin. Well, I mean, look, I heard about it in college. That was like 2010 for me, but I, I dismissed it. Um, I, I started accept, <laughs> I started accepting it in uh, August of 2012. That's August. not too bad, still. Okay, that's not bad. It's pretty good. I think I think we were yeah. often at yeah. around twelve dollars, twelve or thirteen dollars when we were getting quite a bit of it in the beginning. And then um, <laughs> I remember when it made it to thirty dollars in February of 2013, and I was like, oh boy. 
How do I not sell? Uh, and then let's see. I remember meeting Brian Armstrong around that time. And I watched it go all the way up to 250, and I was heavily involved. So we, yep. we did most of our Bitcoin, you know, before it was $250. Um, so we, we made a fair amount of money. Like I could probably restart this company a few times over, you know, just off the price of Bitcoin now. But, you know, my plan is to just use that as a last resort to, to endure all the attacks that the anti-gunners plan and will plan. And I, I hope, <laughs> you know, I just hope to be a man for all seasons here and just to weather whatever storm is possible as long as the laws will permit us to keep working. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a pretty good, you know, pretty good way to look at it. So you don't think the the bottom's falling out here? I know that's what a lot of people are worried about, and we're still talking about what's Bitcoin at twenty thousand. Twenty. Well, I think it popped under twenty right before the show. I it mean, I, I don't okay. know what, where you check, but I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm definitely looking every day. At, yeah, um, and I, I'm not in Bitcoin. Um, I am in Tusk. I don't know if you've heard of Tusk. They they sponsor the show. You probably heard it come on here. Basically, it's a, a crypto that is, uh, you know, pro a lot of things, but also pro gun. And it's something designed that we can actually use and buy and sell stuff. So um. they're at the first uh, makers match. They mm -hmm. supported the mm -hmm. first makers match and probably the yep. second. I, I don't know. But oh, look, yeah. OK, so Bitcoin's about 20. Look, yeah. I, I, it could, I could see it easily falling back down to 10 or six or something. I, just, mm -hmm. I don't care. I'm sure a lot of people do care. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think the dollar is in trouble. And it's okay right now that Bitcoin's aligned with other risk assets. It's, it's fine. I, obviously, a lot of the funds and the other firms need to have a shakeout, need to be wiped out. Mm -hmm. So Bitcoin is a bubble. I, it, it's a legitimate sore value, and I'm, I'm long naked Bitcoin, but also it can pop and go to zero. Like, I, I certainly recognize that. I kind of just don't care, and I think um, the, the economics are sound. Like, it's truly a unique and revolutionary invention. And I think all other cryptos will tend toward Bitcoin. I'm kind of a maximalist. Mm -hmm. That probably makes me fully a maximalist. And I've been a maximalist for a long time. So I'm going to stay in Bitcoin. That's that's where I think the action's at. Uh, but I'm not there to get rich. I'm just there to, I need mm -hmm. to store value over a great period of time because I want to continue to fight anti-gun <laughs> maniacs. You know? mm -hmm. uh, so Bitcoin, I think, is a good way to do that. If you're just holding a bunch of dollars right now, God, you're probably losing 20%. Every day you lose massive amounts with inflation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's what a lot of people out there uh, need to realize. Like if you, th everything is a Ponzi scheme if you if you put it in the right light. You know, ultimately in life you have to take risks. That's what it's about. You know, uh, you just you want to mitigate it. You know, depending on who you are. And yeah, you yeah. yeah. I, I would say, look, don't put ninety percent of your wealth into crypto. But, um, you know, still, yeah. you could do worse. There, there are worse risk assets for sure than Bitcoin. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I'm sure that we didn't, you know, cover everything that we wanted to. Hopefully you had a good time. You know, oh, man, it's great. Before. Thank you yeah. for inviting me. Yeah. Oh, uh, you're, you're welcome. Thanks for coming on. You guys had a good time. I feel like maybe <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. you probably wanted to talk more about guns. Than, and I, I never. <laughs> no, <really talked> about <laughs> this, this podcast is not only about. We guns, are gun guys. We do a lot of guns. I mean, we, sh you know, uh, we have guns. We shoot guns. We, you know, we're involved in building them. We do a lot of stuff. What I try to do with this podcast is you know, show folks out there that this is a whole life and we're, we're well-rounded people, most of us. <laughs> you know, um, there's all kinds of different people in the gun world. So I really did enjoy it. Um, I'm going to let Patrick speak for himself here. 
No, it was great. Yeah. This was fun yeah. to fun to talk about. Yeah, and from the chat and the way everyone's reacting, I think uh, they did as well. Here's uh, what I'm going to do. I'm going to let both of you guys here tell the folks out there what they can, you know, how they can, you know, where where to follow you, how to support you guys, and all that kind of stuff. I, I'll start with Babyface P. Patrick, where can people go? Uh, it's, it's always the same, youtube.com slash babyface P. I do have some projects. Uh, P320 is will be soon. Uh, I have, I got to rebuild the 1911 so I can show you guys how to do that. Uh, that'll be coming up maybe this weekend. I'll get that done when Marley's at work. Uh, but I got, there is stuff coming down the pike. So uh, stay tuned. Yeah, absolutely. And then Cody, for anyone out there, you know, I think what you guys are doing uh, is very important. You've been doing it for a while. How can the people support you guys if they do want to communicate with you or follow you on social media? Where should they go to? Hmm. We're at ghostgunner.net. We're at defcad.com. And look, I think the best way to follow us right now might be on like the ghostguns.com Twitter or something like that. Um, there's a lot of ways <laughs> to get to it. Mm-hmm. So just check it out. Get on one of those email lists. There's always going to be some kind of lawsuit or product happening, and uh, you know if you want to if you want to help us push back, like please, uh, we ask you to help. Absolutely, and if we you know if um, we'll we'll talk about this afterwards, obviously. But if there's ever anything that we could do to help, I would be happy to do that. And uh, you know whatever um, access we can give you to the community, the folks out there that we know, we'll be happy to do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna run in the end, and we're gonna come back. Traditionally, what we do here, I run in the end, we come back, and our guest gives us uh, words of wisdom. So I'm gonna give you a couple of seconds to come up with some words of wisdom. I don't think it's gonna be too tough for you. So let me uh, run in the end right now. We'll be right back here in a few seconds. All right, guys, thanks so much for hanging out with us here. Uh, This is going to be it for this week. We'll be back next week with Free For All Monday. We're going to rip the audio out of this, throw it up on iTunes. It's going to be on Podbean. Uh, You can get it on Audible. Anywhere that you get audio podcasts from, you can find the Who Moved My Freedom podcast. We're also part of the Firearms Radio Network, so a big shout-out to all the folks who are coming in uh, for that. Um, Big thanks to Cody Wilson. I I do want to thank Babyface P for joining us here. But big thanks to Cody Wilson for coming on here. This is one of the shows that uh, I've wanted to do for a long time. So I'm really glad that you did it. And and I do want to thank Lola for doing all the work and stuff like that to make it happen. Uh, Cody, words of wisdom. I should thank Lola too. Um, Look, the only thing that occurs to me is uh, the Second Amendment language from the Fairfax Militia Resolves. All right. Uh, Standing army, times of peace, is ever dangerous. The liberty of a free people, therefore the right to keep and bear arms, shall not be infringed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go. All right. Yeah, absolutely. That was great. All right, guys, we will see you. Thank you so much. I'm going to end everything. Cody, stay right there. i got to press a whole bunch of buttons to end this.